0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree. And a guy who knows how to work a DVD player. Talk to you about movies. This week, Nick and I break down all the big cinematic news to come out of San Diego in this year's Comic-Con.
1: And then we paid to see the same movie again by going to see the remake of The Lion King.
0: And then, we take the time machine to 1986 and watch the Oliver Stone Vietnam masterpiece, Platoon. All of that, on this week's episode of Brandy Points. Alright everybody, welcome to the show. If you are new to the program, uh, Nick and I don't jump right into the reviews. We like to start every episode with what we call an editorial segment. Uh, We give each other something topical to talk about or try to make our own list uh, based on a certain topic, Uh, or we'll do what we call... (laughs) And we
1: we had a list until this week happened.
0: Yeah, we (laughs) we did have an actual editorial segment uh, until we remembered that this weekend was Comic-Con San Diego 2019, and for those of you who don't know what Comic-Con specifically in San Diego is, is the plethora of geekdom and pop culture basically movie studios and tv studios run to this comic con to drop hundreds of trailers little sneak peeks into uh upcoming projects title reveals uh plans that they have for the somewhat immediate future within like the next year or two like uh stars come out to do interview panels um it's 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 the con of all cons basically so with that, we are saving what we were going to do this week for next week, and what we're going to do for you all is break down all the major film trailers. We're not going to talk about TV here, because that's not what we do, um, even though the we are-
1: a podcast that we don't make. Yeah,
0: even though we are excited Rick and Morty season four is happening. Um, but yes, we are going to break down every single trailer that was released. Uh, first, we will start off with the new trailer for IT Chapter 2. They're calling this the final trailer. And you've heard us talk about how much it is important to us, um, specifically um, the first film. And
1: the it was uh, and just a refresher. It was the last movie that we saw together before uh, Endgame.
0: Yeah, up until Endgame, the only the last film that we saw with each other was uh, It Chapter Two. So or It One. So now that we're like a month away, like or a hair over a month away from It Chapter Two. Especially with how downright terrifying this trailer was, I'm even more excited for this. Like, I'm trying to, like, not have my expectations so high, even They're though, so high. <laughs> even though, like, the first film is objectively great. Um,
1: They're higher than Seth Rogen when he records his movies. Shh, Pineapple Express.
0: Shh. <laughs> uh, dude, I mean, are, are you as excited as I am after watching this trailer? Was this not one of the most terrifying trailers you've seen in a while?
1: God, it was really intense. Uh, I, uh, I really like the, uh, the music in it. I think I figured out that it's a violin score, finally, because I've just been like, what is making that sound? Um, but, uh, what's the, what's Pennywise, the actor that plays Pennywise's name?
0: Uh, the actor?
1: Yeah, the, the actual actor.
0: Oh, uh, Peter, Peter Skarsgård. He,
1: uh, he kind of gets to show his abilities a little bit in the trailer, uh, more than he did in the other one. And or not the other trailer, the other movie, and man, is he just a genuinely creepy guy? (laughs) Not not as a human being, just in this in this trailer, he is very capable of being a total creepy weirdo.
0: It definitely looks like they're amping up like him, like in his abilities. Like as scary as he still was in the first film, like it definitely seems like they're they saw the success of part one. It was just like, all right, let's give you a couple ten million more plus dollars and. What else can Pennywise do to scare the living crap out of these kids?
1: I'm I'm excited for... Uh, because they're clearly ramping up the balloons in this movie. And as a 26-year-old man, I find it weird. I'm excited about a movie that's balloons. <laughs> but um, in the TV movie, um, like I've said before, one of my uh, YouTube channels that I love following it, and it shows is a nostalgia critic. Yes, I get that there's been controversy around it. I'm not going to com- comment on that. It's just something I've enjoyed watching, and uh, they did a It Chapter 2 review, or It, like the TV series one, years ago, and they were talking, the the running thing that he keeps saying is he goes, balloons aren't scary, and they actually managed to make balloons kind of scary in the first one, and in this trailer, they are clearly ramping up the balloons in this, I'm like, alright, I kind of want to see what you do to make balloons scary
0: i don't think the first one holds up anymore <laughs> did you see the old You're one talking
1: the tv movie
0: yeah the three hour tv movie it doesn't hold up no I... <laughs> I i
1: remember the first time i saw it i asked someone because when i watched it someone i watched it with was like yeah this was terrifying when i was a kid and i was like this scared you this is funny and really boring
0: yeah, I watched. It was on Hulu last year, and I figured go ahead and watch it because we I knew it too was coming out, and it doesn't hold up anymore.
1: <laughs> like yeah. Tim
0: Curry is still giving it his all, but man, that was not. That's yeah. We have a superior it, and honestly, yeah. like I I can't wait. Like everything about this trailer is terrifying. I love that the collective will of uh of us i for lack of better word uh got jessica chastain to be in this film um along with uh yeah
1: the the cast the adult casting i they are scary similar yeah to the kids
0: yeah and bill Hayter, james mcavoy um i can't remember the names of the other guys except um the one uh the one kid that didn't leave dairy uh, his adult version is uh, the guy from the Old Spice commercial that was like, hey, use Old Spice so I don't steal your wife, or whatever his line was. Um, you remember that guy?
1: Oh, I didn't recognize him because he wasn't shirtless riding a horse backwards. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Um, that was. Actually...
1: You got to see people in context.
0: Yeah, that was actually brought to my attention from um, one of my friends, too. Otherwise, I'd be like, yo, I wouldn't have recognized him from anything, probably.
1: Um I don't think I've seen him literally in anything else like TV shows, commercials, movies, anything. I don't, I don't think I've seen him in anything. No, I'd ha- um, I'd have
0: to deep dive on his resume, but um I mean that's
1: the the guy that plays the the kid that was always the hypochondriac.
0: Oh, uh that one I that's the other actor whose name I don't know for the adult one.
1: I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He is honestly kind of the most like, "Oh, whoa, that looks like you just aged the kid like 30 years." It's really creepy how close he looks to him.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, Jessica Chastain, too, I think, is, like, number one, if not second, to to him. Yeah. Like, again, we collectively willed into existence convincing Warner Brothers, like, no, we will not see this movie if you do not cast Jessica Chastain in this role of Beverly. Like,
1: (laughs) I was going to see the movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, of course I was, too. But immediately when they announced that it, too, was going to happen, the first thing that we said was, Okay, so Jessica's going to be in it, right? Like, <laughs> Dude, as
1: as we've learned from this and the past week on the internet, if you make a rallying point of something on the internet, it will take off, even if you kind of don't want it to.
0: Oh yes, we'll see what we'll see if that holds true with one trailer that we're we're deliberately saving for the end of this. Um,
1: I want to. I meant Area Fifty One, but yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> I. We'll talk about the we'll talk about the other trailer that's causing a little bit of outrage the, here in the lo- one
1: of. One of the uh uh mo- like like I said at the beginning, one of the creepiest things in the trailer is the very last shot.
0: Yeah, with Bill's face just like ah. Which
1: they they it's funny that they've shown that shot like very variations of that shot slash scene in both trailers, and I have no idea what it is because that's the one in the first one where he like rolls his eyes and pulls the skin down or whatever on his face. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what that scene is because they keep showing it. I was like, I have no idea what you're doing.
0: Well, it's objectively just in itself just a really creepy shot with like his makeup's like not half done and like he's bleeding on his somewhere on his head, like
1: yeah. That's just a re- one of one of the comment sections I saw on the It trailer too was. Uh, someone just typing over and over don't be a crappy claymation spider don't be a crappy claymation spider don't be a crappy claymation spider oh my... just over and over and over and over and <laughs> over
0: <laughs> that's pretty funny i i can't wait to see how they do that completely bonkers finale like just how off the wall it gets like um i mean that's all the thoughts i got on it i mean yeah.
1: you ra- I, it's excited i can't wait for uh when i come see you uh like second weekend in september
0: yeah, right? we yeah, yeah we were texting off Mike about it, and I'm like, no, I think it comes out in October. Nope, it comes out September sixth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dan's like, I think it comes out late October or it comes out in October, and I was like, no, dude, because I remember it was supposed to make my September incredibly busy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nope, it comes out September sixth. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be the first film we watch that month, um, just to look ahead. But uh, yeah,
1: no, it'll be the second one.
0: I thought it was in the first. I thought it was in the first week
1: i mean if no second second weekend in september Oh, okay no no no, you're right it is the first weekend because our our st louis trip technically is in august
0: yeah um all right well with that we have another horror film that we can just talk very briefly about it's not quite a trailer it's more of like a teaser kind of just title reveal but it is a continuation of last year's halloween reboot that's right not only are we getting a sequel to last year's Halloween, we are getting two. And what's notable about this is the fact that it's not just the studio saying, yeah, we're going to do two Halloween sequels and we have a release date. Uh, they have two concrete release dates and they have two titles. And apparently they're both... And Jamie Lee Curtis, apparently. Yeah, well, no, Jamie Lee Curtis is still on board. I presume James... Car- or, John- or No, not presume. It is confirmed that John Carpenter is still involved um david gordon green is going to direct these two as well as long as as well as the first one uh he and danny mcbride are co-writing these next two films uh as well because that was kind of a big deal was that david and danny um i've talked about them a lot on the show before about uh how they with uh uh they created observe and report and uh eastbound and down and all those projects but yeah just the fact that like they wanted to make a halloween last year and it worked. At least for me. I thought it was great. Um, did you see the first Halloween?
1: Sadly no. Um uh, well spoiler. I, you, saw, here's the, here's the thing, you saw here's the thing. You saw you saw a big
0: spoiler in the in that teaser. Um. <laughs> that the house is on fire and there's lights? Uh that the house is on fire and Michael Myers is trapped in the basement. Um yeah. Oh, okay. That's literally how the first one ends. Sorry. I spoi- didn't know that was
1: him trapped in the basement. Um <laughs> uh, I, I will say this, it's not because I didn't want to see the movie when uh out of that kind of genre, like the sla- like the very popular slashers, uh, Freddy, um,
0: uh, Nightmare
1: on Elm Street. Are you, are you
0: talking about Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth? Yeah,
1: like 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 the Nightmare on Elm Street, the Friday the Thirteenth. Um, when I was in college, was the first time I saw the original Halloween. I liked that one the most. Um, I've only seen it once. But that I liked that one the most out of any of those other ones. Like it did not seem campy to me as much as the other ones. Um, so I uh, I've seen a couple of the sequels and they weren't very good. So I but I really I really like the original Halloween. Um, so when they said they're like yeah the one that came out last year was was what the studio was saying was no this is the sequel to the first one we're retro retroactively like. Was it the first or second one?
0: It, no, Halloween last year was a direct sequel to Halloween 1, pretending that okay. every other Halloween didn't happen. So
1: so I wanted to see it um, at the time. Obviously, we weren't recording the podcast, and uh, I just was transitioning into a new role in work, I, and I was also traveling a lot last fall and winter. Um, so I just didn't have time to get to the theater. And I... I really want to see that.
0: It, it, I've honestly thought it was great. I thought David did an amazing job probably because Carpenter had to have been on set with him too, but do it. He did a great job of recreating that really creepy atmosphere and tone that the first Halloween had where it's just, it's a normal everyday suburban area, but with that really subtle, creepy music and the fact that that's what Michael is, it's just, he's like a ghost. Like, He's just always near you in the background, until when he's ready to strike, he's right there. Like
1: the the thing I like to, and it's part of the, and I, and it's part of the reason I liked uh, uh, Jason more than Freddy. Uh, I I like the blank expression. I don't. I the thing with Freddy, I get it. He's sarcastic. He makes quips and stuff like that. And especially as that series went on, it, it kind of got more and more and more. But the thing that I really liked, uh, for Mike Myers and Jason, especially in the early ones, dude, there's no expression on their face at all. It's just a silent walking death of person.
0: Well, they are wearing masks too, but, um, yeah, I know, but what
1: I, but what I'm getting at is like, there is no expression. There's no remorse. It's just a murderer.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um,
1: and then Rob Zombie came in and was like, "Hey, do you want to see his white trash family yell and swear at each other for two hours, and then also hear him talk?"
0: Oh right. The I like the first Rob Zombie one kind of, and then the second one was kind of awful. I th-
1: I think I've seen the first one. I don't think I've seen the second one. And I remember thinking it's okay. It's not. I don't. I won't say it's awful, but it was just one of those things where it's like, why did you do that? Yeah. The... Like why did you why did you just have an annoying family, and then why did you make him talk?
0: I, it's. <laughs> I think the first one's good. The second, no, the second one's a hot mess. I just, I'm glad they they stopped with Rob Zombies, um, and then went in this direction. Because I, yeah. I again, I, I think that it's a great idea to let this keep going. Um, I don't really like the title Halloween Kills, but I like the third one being called Halloween Ends, and they're both yeah. and they're both coming out uh, consecutive years, uh, 2020 and then 2021. So that's kind of cool. We don't have to wait in between. At least that long for, uh, the second and third one. Or at least that long for the third one. Uh, Yeah. yeah. With that, the next trailer that we will be breaking down is the sequel to the Tom Cruise 1980s classic, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, so, yeah. Nick, uh, I have not seen Top Gun 1, actually. Um, have you seen the first one?
1: No, and, uh, going back to what you said at the beginning of the segment, uh something that has been uh a talking po- op-ed talking point for us that we've been trying to do for a long time but we keep having to push it back cuz we've had to do so many th- movies and theaters and then this week we've had to do a, uh like a bunch of trailer reviews. Uh we do want to make a list of movies we're ashamed we've never seen. Top Gun is on my list of movies I'm ashamed I've never seen.
0: Top Gun would probably Make mine, I, yeah. <laughs> I
1: cannot, I cannot give an excuse for why I haven't seen it. I just haven't, um, and I know all my friends that love Archer are probably gonna hate me for saying that, but yeah, I've never seen it.
0: No, I haven't seen it either. Um, I don't really have a good reason to either. Um, like, it's one of those films where just uh, I know it exists. I know it means a lot. Like, I know it's got like its, its own big following, but like, it's I don't. It's always. It always raises an eyebrow with me, the fact that, like, a movie that has basically just been on its own, it's been its own thing, and then 20, 30 years later, let's just make a sequel for it. Like, not even, like, a reboot, like, some of these movies that we've had lately. Like, this is an outright, like, yeah, it's been 30 years, let's make a sequel. Like, what? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's been 30 years, this man's about to be replaced with technology. Oh, it's that movie.
0: Yeah, like, why, <laughs> why now? Honestly, like... I asked you off mic, like, who would wa- who asked to make a Top Gun sequel probably besides Tom Cruise? Like, and if
1: not... Okay, honestly, I have heard a bunch of people say, that, like, the online communities, like, we want like, to, like, Top Gun's the greatest movie of all time, we'd love a Top Gun sequel, things like that. I don't know anyone specifically, like, I can't be like, oh, my friend tom came up to me and was like hey i want a top gun sequel And i was like i just want to know if you wanted a coke or a sprite um it's one i, I here's the thing watching that trailer it doesn't feel like it's that forced of a follow-up if that makes sense it doesn't feel like they went oh dude the snal- nostalgia nostalgia factors through the roof we gotta make another movie to capitalize on this. No, it genuinely feels like they're like, hey, let's let's actually take this story further of that. What would happen to that guy after that movie ended? And what would happen to that guy in a world where drones are taking over and the military's big focus is getting men out of men and women out of the combat zone to have uh, lesser and lesser casualties of war? Um, can you replace that human touch? with a robot um and also can ed harris play the same guy for the 75th time
0: yeah and still <laughs> give a memorable performance um. yeah like
1: dude i don't know what it is about ed harris he always plays like the authoritarian figure that is not exactly happy with everything and he's just they just change what his job is and where he's at yeah. In every movie. But they're like, hey, Ed Harris, can you play, we're assuming yourself? Yeah, where am I at? Oh, you're going to be dartboard. You're going to be uh in the military? Dartboard on a aircraft carrier. Cool, there's your role. Like, what? Now, here's the thing. He might have been in the first movie. I don't know. But I'm just saying, Ed Harris always plays the same guy.
0: It feels like he does, yeah. Like, even when he's like... um. When he, I've just, am not really tied to this, but I, it just made me think of like um, how he kind of physically just still looks the same. Like he doesn't, it doesn't look like he aged at all between this and The Rock. Like just
1: <laughs> slightly grayer hair and more wrinkles. Yeah.
0: Boom. Um. But yeah. With that, I mean, I don't have anything else to say about Top Gun. Um. Oh, except one. Um, thing.
1: I, other than I'm convinced Tom Cruise is like, I'm gonna learn to fly a fighter jet and I'm gonna do my own stunts.
0: That honestly wouldn't surprise me, like, especially with, um, the last thing I was going to say was that this film is not technically, uh, directed by, uh, Christopher McQuarrie, but, um, Christopher McQuarrie apparently has been on set a lot with this film because, uh...
1: Is he the director of the first one?
0: No, uh, no, the director of the first one was, um, Tony Scott, um, the late Tony Scott who left us a few years ago, um... But no, Christopher McQuarrie is um, the director of the last three uh, Mission Impossible films, and
1: oh, okay,
0: yeah, and and he's been a great friend of Tom Cruise's uh, for a while. Like he's had a hand. If he wasn't directing, he co-wrote. The, the like
1: plural for Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. <laughs> not Cruises. Cruises
0: <laughs> that's funny. Um, but no, Christopher McQuarrie and T- Tom Cruise have been like connected at the hip behind the camera for many 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 of his movies um like i said he did direct the last three uh mission impossible films and and he's not the director of this film but the fact that like he has a hand in this film like that ge- that makes me think this trailer looks the way it does like i can't help but think that christopher McQuarrie is low-key like shadow directing this film and some guy's just gonna get token credit because dga rules like <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised danger if- zone um <laughs> <laughs> With that, let's move on to the next trailer that came out this week. The long-awaited reboot of Jay and Silent Bob from the Kevin Smith. Nick, uh, I can't recall offhand your history with Kevin Smith films. Um, I know I've personally seen a few of them. Uh, I haven't... Zach and Mary, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm pulling up his resume right now. um, Because I know I've seen... um, I know I've seen Clerks... uh, I haven't seen Clerks 2, though. Um, I saw his controversial uh, Red State.
1: Um, but but I will say this. A lot of his movies, I would just kind of wrap up and put as a spot on pro- probably on my movies I'm ashamed I've not seen list.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> Clerks, I've seen. I haven't seen Mall Rats. I haven't seen Chasing Amy or Dogma, uh, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, I have seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, I thought that was fun. I, it's a it's a goofy movie. It kind of honestly just looks like... This looks like a an outright just continuation of this. Like, it definitely just feels like it's still in that same vein of just, like, silly, meta, ridiculous fun. Like, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You definitely haven't seen that, right? Seen what? Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back.
1: No, dude, like I said, I've seen Zack and Miri and that's it.
0: Yeah, Jersey Girl, Clerks 2, Zack and Miri, Cop Out, Red Skate tusk uh, yoga hosers uh, and that's it um but yeah i'm surprised you didn't see tusk though the one where justin long gets turned into a walrus nope it's it's weird it's a weird movie um but anyway um impressions with this trailer love, I,
1: every time i see justin long after seeing Zack and mary all i can think of is his character from that movie now in any movie he's in Oh. And it just ruins whatever he's in now, because that character's so ridiculous and amazing.
0: Is he the one that has that really horrible thing happen to him near the end of the movie?
1: He's the gay porn star. Oh,
0: right. Never mind. That's not what I was thinking of. I got the actors mixed up. Um, but anyway, um, I think this looks fun. I mean, what do you think? Like,
1: It looks silly. Um, uh, it just looks like a movie that... Uh, 50 year old man child made uh, and i and i say that lovingly um it doesn't look it doesn't look bad but it doesn't necessarily look good to me it kind of just it made me go all right you've got my attention i'm interested um uh i will say i like uh jason lee in a lot of things and i know he's been in a lot of kevin smith movies so uh, I'm interested to see him in something because My Name is Earl should make a comeback and it's a national tragedy that it hasn't. And, uh, yeah, I... This trailer is... this This trailer is one of the few things that came out this week where I have a really subdued reaction to it just because it didn't make me go crazy one way or the other it kind of was like all right neat maybe this will be neat i'm interested to kind of do the build-up to it but i yeah
0: i i'm interested i i like kevin smith's movies generally um i'm not one to listen to any of his podcasts or his four hour plus ramblings um like I can't imagine if he went on Joe Rogan that episode being less than six hours long, but
1: um, they'd still be recording.
0: Yeah, they, it would never end as it was released. <laughs> um, but no, I think this. I think it's. I think he could have a pretty interesting take on um, what he's trying to make fun of with this, like the state of reboots and franchising and universes, and then while also t- trying to put Jay and Silent Bob. In their own sequel, like where are they? While also commenting on that at the same time, I, I think also, it could be. I think it could be interesting. Also,
1: Jay is very lucky that he wasn't shot the moment he walked out that door and yanked his pants down.
0: Well, that's why it's a movie and not reality. Because yes, he would have. They probably wouldn't have even let them come out that door. They probably would have just raided that place to begin did with. You,
1: did you even listen to our review of Crawl last week? I'm gonna point out a flaw in the logic of something. That's that's gonna be filmmakers.
0: Listen to this, please. You filmmakers, your goal. Your, listen
1: to me. No, your
0: goal. Your goal should be to make a movie that interests Nick enough that he actually suspends reality while watching it,
1: <laughs> or shuts up <laughs> when critiquing it. Yeah. Be captive state. I gave up about that movie.
0: Oh, we haven't. Don't we be have, captive state. We haven't had a captive state drop in a while. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, or at least I can remember.
1: <laughs> I think it was last week.
0: Um, all right well with that um oh one one question i want to ask before we move on to the to our second to last trailer um which cameo made you the most excited like jason lee well it seems like he's going to be like a well okay i'll count that i was thinking more of like those split second shots of like chris hemsworth ben affleck matt damon um rosario dawson um
1: oh uh probably hemsworth
0: i i i probably met that either Matt Damon or Ben Affleck just because of like the history that they have with Kevin. Um, like the fact that both of them were in it, like I'm going to cheat and just make it a tie that both. Matt Do they Damon... have
1: a bad relationship with them or something?
0: No, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have both been in multiple Kevin Smith films. Oh, okay. Yeah. Matt Damon was the um, Matt Damon was in, I want to say Do- at least dogma and chasing Amy. Um, I might be wrong about that. Um, I can't, uh, I can't remember the rest offhand. Uh, but no uh, Kevin Smith's got a great relationship with uh, both of them okay uh but yeah anyway with that um we got one trailer left to talk about before we dissect the plethora of information given to us about phase four and marvel uh is it cats yes that trailer ah. is <laughs> oh my god yes yeah, so that trailer is indeed cats uh so yeah that cat's trailer um <laughs> that, that's a, there's a lot to take in with that um that's probably the nicest way i could put it um nick on a scale of one to eleven how terrified of you of those cats were you um
1: <laughs> uh like a six
0: those things are so creepy looking
1: like you know what it looked like do you want to know what it honestly looked like what you remember that episode treehouse of horror episode on the simpsons where they do the island of dr monroe
0: Oh, that yeah, the, that parody. Yeah, when uh Marge gets turned into the panther and Homer gets turned into Didn't he get turned into yeah. a walrus actually?
1: Yeah, he did, but it <laughs> looks like the Marge the Marge is a panther thing. God, it I the before, okay, so we we watched it just now and before this, I actually had only watched the first 10 seconds of this trailer because um the first time I watched it uh I just was trying to see what the cats would look like. And then I laughed until I almost peed my pants and then turned it off. Um, dude, Avatar looked better. And those weren't even supposed to completely 100% look like cats. And that movie's also 11 years old.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that more than the fact that Avatar wasn't, well, trying to look like cats. But, um...
1: The, it... It, It's one of those things where it's like, Avatar took influence from looking like cats, and they look more like cats.
0: The, it's, I don't understand what the logic in designing them like this was, like.
1: What, dude, just call Disney and just be like, hey, 25 million dollars if you just get this to look like the Lion King did, and then we'll just have these celebrities sing it.
0: Well, here's the thing, like. Why didn't this just be an animated film that just made cartoon-looking cats? Like,
1: Do you want to know why? <laughs> why? <laughs> because animation is not taken very seriously. Because the hoity-toity people at the uh, Oscars go, mm, No, my monocle says I must not like cartoons. No, <laughs> that's my fancy impression and then Arnold and he's like look at my arms i got machine guns give me emmys and grammys and oscars i don't know why i named every award that wasn't given out by the academy before the oscars but it's not it's uh, not an
0: overall academy it's branches of each but yes i, I get what you're saying the
1: academy <laughs> the academy is secretly the illuminati
0: um but no like i just what what i'm getting at is like this is a story about cats so like when this was on stage obviously you can't have animals on stage so it makes sense why humans would like put on the ears and like wear fur coats and then you can just pretend like oh you can artistically uh, interpret like these are supposed to be cats even though obviously it's humans and they're singing and like okay so instead of obviously doing that like obviously like doing that wouldn't be that creative cinematically so, wouldn't the next logical step be to actually just make an animated film where cats, our cats, look like cats, move like cats, and are singing? versus Dan,
1: Dan. Dan. Logic doesn't make movies. <laughs> if you want to know the definition of that, listen to our crawl review from last week. <sighs>
0: okay, Two, okay, that that was actually that's that's fair. Chat, that's a good that's a good check. Um, <laughs> but no, like they just they decide to take the the weirdest middle ground and just like. Okay, what's the best way that we can make a human look like a cat, but not have an actual cat or people in costumes? How can we mush that together? Let's do some mocap and make these horrifying half-furry humanoids. Like,
1: And also, let's not make the scale very clear. Yeah, are these... Are they supposed to be human-sized or cat-sized?
0: Why does this cat clearly have the athletic build of an actual human, but just furry? And why is Ian McKellen and Irizarba and Judy Dench all wearing fur coats?
1: How- and why is James Corden and Rebel Wilson in this?
0: Why, why is James Corden wearing a tux to only then in the next shot not be wearing a tux? And his fur looks like a tux to begin with, like.
1: And another thing, thank you to the trailer for cr- putting the credits of who's who in this because I wouldn't have been able to be like, oh, that's such and such. A-. Like when they did the Taylor Swift thing, I was like, I.
0: See, I thought t- I thought Taylor Swift was going to be the lead, not this brand new person that whose name excuse yeah, me. Yeah, because of also. her
1: ego being insane. Me too. I, <laughs> I thought it'd be a Beyonce thing. We're just in the middle of it. They're gonna be like, "Hey, we gotta insert one of my pop songs." Uh, Taylor doesn't really fit. Put it in, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> uh, the the one actor I do feel most bad for being in this, though, at least right now. Like, maybe we'll be kicking ourselves and it'll end up being great. Just kidding. Probably not. But. Um. <laughs>
1: Cut to a couple couple months later, and Dan be like, "Wow, I was really, really wrong." Yeah. And also, how about that new alien technology from Area Fifty One?
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel bad for Jennifer Hudson I'm, being in. I'm this. kidding,
1: by the way. Don't don't do that raid if you're going to don't.
0: Yeah, no, don't do Area Fifty One, guys, if you're actually thinking about it. Uh, but yeah, no, Jennifer Hudson, like, her song is like the most iconic song and from the musical uh, Memories, and it's amazing that she's singing it and she sounds like the right person to sing that song, but
1: yeah, the talent behind this is really good. Like Judy Dench, the, the rumor is that Judy Dench missed out on being in the stage play when it, when it was on Broadway and she kind of kicked herself over it for a really long time. She really wanted to be in it. And then this movie came up and she really wanted to make sure that she got, got in the movie. She's a, she's an amazing actress. Uh, Idris Elba, um, I kind of want to see if he does his role from Hobbs and Shaw in the movie, because that'd be entertaining. Uh, it's, it's, there is talent behind this movie, and then it's just like, hey, what if we make it look like Sonic the Hedgehog, and it gives people nightmares, and now it's too late to go back and fix it?
0: Oh, yeah, with this, with this kind of prestige release... There is no way on earth that they're gonna like pause and redo the animation like they have with sonic like sonic's not trying to be awards bait this is clearly like awards bait showcase yeah
1: this is trying to get somebody an oscar
0: well yeah and it's from tom hooper who did win oscars for people and himself with uh les Mis and a uh,
1: tom hooper the... what is with the with the way this came out more like tom pooper am i right <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> did you see either of those films, by the way, La Miz, or King's Speech? Uh,
1: I did see King speech.
0: i I don't dislike King Speech. Um I dislike that it won Le- I dis- Le- I dislike that Le- it Mis- won the Oscars, but I do think it's Le- a good film.
1: Miz I didn't see just because I didn't want to hear uh, I heard the reviews for Laymizz before it uh, before uh, it came out, and the big thing I heard was, Look, we applaud them for having the actors actually sing, but some of the actors they got, they are actors. They can't sing. And then I heard the clip of, uh, And I am Chauvin. I was like, wow, you're flat. Yeah. Um, Russ... So I, I just didn't want to listen to people sing poorly for a really long time. If I did, I would just listen to myself sing. Yeah, Russ, um, Russell, for free.
0: Russell Crowe was really, really yeah. objectively terrible in it. Um...
1: So... That's that's why I didn't see it. It's just because I was like I, I don't want to really listen to the singing in it. Um, but I, King's Speech was really good. I really liked King's Speech. I, I really I really enjoyed the uh kind of intense pressure that they had throughout that movie about a man who just has a hard time talking.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not a bad movie. Like Jeffrey Rush and Helena and uh, Colin Firth were all great in it, but it's I. I just the specific year, it was up for Oscars. I thought there were other films that deserved it more than King's Speech. Um, but, I mean, especially um, the fact that Colin won for that film when he objectively should have lost that year and won the year before for a single man. But that's just my own little yeah. personal gripe. But um, when it comes to lay mrs. Oscars, it won Oscars for the best parts of the film. So I can't really... Cr- discredit the Academy for that but outside of the two things it did win Oscars for the rest of the film's not that great um, yeah Anne Hathaway won for her performance and
1: spoiler I've seen stuff I've seen stuff of her performance yeah she's, she sings she sings pretty well she uh, she looked like she was acting very well yeah she was the best part of the film and then spoiler
0: alert she's not in it after the first 15 minutes um, which makes it even more impressive um,
1: what if I was gonna watch it
0: I have, you, you you won't don't lie to me <laughs> you can <laughs>
1: you can it's artsy screw you nick i know you don't like
0: that you you can lie to me but don't lie to yourself um
1: <laughs> I, well i might before i die it, at some point
0: um it also won its other academy award for uh sound mixing which is like the the raw sound that you pick up like on set so um yeah it, it, it rightfully won that oscar as well because they didn't adr any of the music they all sang on set um yeah no i'm not
1: it, they're like russell can you try that again <laughs> and he's like yeah and they're like wow that was worse with practice <laughs> wow that act- and then he just starts beating people up this is the first he's like i'm russell crowe and this show is called russell crowe fighting around the world
0: <laughs> this is wow this is i've never been with an actor who actually sang worse with more practice uh let's just take take one and uh go from there <laughs> uh
1: but yeah let's it's- just take one and uh russell never open your mouth again
0: yeah <laughs> um but yeah with that i mean i don't have anything else to say about cats um other than that's going to be one of our Christmas films. It's just, it's going to happen. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it comes out December. Tw- this Christmas? Yeah, December 20th. That's going to be our cri-
1: Oh, God, it's Oscar bait, isn't it?
0: Dude, that's what, that's what I was just saying is, yeah, obviously.
1: Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, like, it hit me, like. Yeah. It's that egregious of Oscar bait. Yeah. Oh, I can't... Oh, my God. I
0: can't wait to go through a December with you with how much Oscar bait comes out in December.
1: <laughs> this show might end next January. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right, with that. God. Um, the last thing that we want to talk about that came out at Comic-Con this year, um, it's not a trailer, but...
1: <laughs> it is something that happened while we were recording the next two segments. So in between the recording of those segments, we're geeking out and losing our mind. Yeah. But now we get to talk about it. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, just showing how the sausage is made. Um, we are recording this on Sunday afternoon, deliberately to just make sure no other news came out, um, even though we recorded our other film reviews yesterday. Um, but yeah, we did that on purpose because uh, Marvel unveiled their entirety of phase four we have release dates for black widow the eternals uh doctor strange 2 doctor strange in the multiverse of madness and thor 3 thor love and thunder
1: or thor 4 my bad and natalie portman
0: uh yes uh natalie portman coming back uh for some reason for however many 10 million dollars she was way to build
1: that up she's back for some reason. Well she I can tell you I can tell you the reason. Did you see Endgame's box office after it beat the snot out of Avatar? That's right, James Cameron. <gasps> so good. Uh Then also
0: there's uh all the Disney Plus TV shows Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, What If, Loki, Hawkeye, um oh, and I completely skipped over Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, my bad. Um
1: But yeah, dude. That that'll be interesting just because the, the uh i watched iron man one within the last year and i remember as i was watching it in the first one they talk about uh that uh group in the middle east that was terrorizing those the small village when iron man's like "That's it, i gotta go help was the ten rings and i was like oh the mandarins group so apparently they were planning on the mandarin from the first movie or they were bringing up the Mandarin from the first, like, his society from the first movie, and then now they've got that for the Ten Rings Society. I- I'm interested to see what they do after they built it in the first uh, first uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie and then flubbed it up with Iron Man 3 and then now.
0: Yeah, like, well, now you breaking it down for me like that, I mean, that does sound way more interesting. Like, I honestly, like, I didn't do much homework, uh, between last night and tonight about, um, these, um, I have a vague idea of, like, what Black Widow is rumored to be about, um, same with the Eternals. Is it about the Black Widow? I believe so, it's, um, (laughs) not confirmed yet, the plot's very (laughs) secret, um.
1: They turn it on and they're like, no, it's about that, it's about the Squidward guy from Thanos' gang, you're like, what? Oh,
0: (laughs) right, um, but yeah, I mean, I have a general idea of that in the Eternals, uh, Doctor Strange, I mean... It's Doctor Strange 2. so I mean you could take a pretty good guess about that. Um,
1: all these, which are... I'm interested for because I, I I've seen the first Doctor Strange twice, and honestly I kind of left it feeling similar to um, uh, Captain Marvel, although I liked it a little bit better.
0: And I'm not a fan of Doctor Strange. I didn't think it was that good.
1: Um, well, I'm not saying it's a pan with sprinkles, but I'm just saying like it it I remember when it was over and then how i felt and then when we rated captain marvel i felt almost the same way
0: i see i, I see, liked it yeah. a
1: little better than captain marvel
0: i see what but, i see yeah. what you mean i i mean i don't i i would probably give doctor strange a half pan but um
1: i i will say i probably will try and see it again before captain mar or captain no doctor strange too just because i feel like there's some things that I've, i I kind of missed out on is a little confusing
0: i might um the only other one of these that like just completely threw me for a loop like i mean tell me if any of these uh kind of shocked you the fact that um that they're coming blade out um
1: shocked me oh
0: blade blade is not on this list uh this one i have up here yeah no blade
1: um that was and then and then they talked about they're doing uh fantastic four uh, right Thor four guardians three those are all in development
0: yeah um just not on the specific little slideshow that i'm looking up here but yeah no uh, i mean we we all kind of knew that guardians three was going to happen especially when james gunn got hired back um what i was going to point out that um surprised me the most was um well i mean you already said blade blade made i'm excited for blade just because Mahershala ali is in it and he's he's the man but um <coughs> but uh what if um, do you know anything about what if, um, I'm a poor reason.
1: The thing, the thing I read made it sound like maybe it's Marvel's version of how it should have ended, which would make sense. Cause the Marvel movie, how it should have ended have been kind of the most entertaining ones. Um, so maybe something like that, but I I, I don't really know.
0: Um, I read that it was, um, going to be animated and Jeffrey Wright is in it, but, um, Outside of that, um, yeah, it's, uh, Jeffrey Wright will, will act as the narrator in the form of a celestial observer, the watcher, uh, in Marvel's animated, what if, um, additionally many actors across the MCU, quote unquote, will prize their roles for these hypothetical scenarios. So, <laughs> so
1: basically what that's saying is, Hey, Robert Downey Jr. You're not done with Tony.
0: Oh, he's probably gonna, I, I'm gonna doubt that. He'll he'll just show up, surprisingly, and say, like, three words, and, like, that's it. Like, I doubt they're going to make him, like...
1: No, no, no. He'll just make three different sounds, and they have to, like, pitch, change them to form words and sentences. Yeah. He's like, ah, ooh, ee. No, what they'll do is they'll they'll just take lines. They'll just take words
0: from his other films and just make sentences out of that. And then he gets paid a million dollars just because they used his voice (laughs) in general. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what's um, not surprising, uh, not what I'm trying to ask now, is uh, which one of these are you most excited for, personally? Like, uh, is it just outright Thor Love and Thunder?
1: Yeah. Um, I, 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 Thor has grown on me, because I remember the, I, I, I didn't see the Dark World, but I saw the first one, and I saw uh, Ragnarok, and then his roles in the Avengers movies. He has grown. He's probably grown on me the most out of any of the characters as the series has gone on. Gone on. Um, Captain America. I I like the first Captain America better than you. That's that's a um, that's a fact. <laughs> and so. Thor's grown on me. Granted, I didn't I didn't see one of the movies, but. Uh, I I'm interested. I I'm really interested that Natalie Portman's going to be back in it. Um. I don't know what the backlash was. I, I don't know what happened, but when she wasn't in or she when she wasn't in um uh Ragnarok Ragnarok or like any of the Avengers movies, I was honestly kind of like, Oh, that sucks.
0: She what happened to her, I can explain it in a nutshell. Uh Patty Jenkins, the woman who ended up directing Wonder Woman, uh was supposed to direct Thor the Dark World, but Okay, she like a few list a list of people that ended up not liking how to work with Marvel um, she's not the only one on the list um, she ended up quitting and Natalie Portman was pretty furious at Marvel for firing her, but she okay. was contractually obligated and had to do it but uh, once okay. Thor the Dark World was done, she basically told disney to to shove it and
1: her f- I don't know if it was something like she got fan backlash similar to, uh, uh who was the girl that was in Two Broke Girls that was in Thor? Oh, uh,
0: Kat Dennings, yeah.
1: Yeah, cause, jeez, she's grading in that. Yeah. First movie. Yeah. I don't know if she's in the second one. I know she's not in the third. She's in.
0: She's in the second one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. But no, Natalie Portman basically just got
0: really mad at Kevin, so that's why I was surprised that one. Um they used footage of her. Like, she didn't have to give permission to use footage of her. Well,
1: not only that, she's playing Lady Thor, so it's not like, oh yeah, she's gonna be back for one movie. It's like, oh, she's a pretty big part. Yeah, that's that's what makes me so
0: shocked that, like, again, they didn't have to get her personal permission to use her footage uh, in the in Endgame. Like, they just used footage that they didn't from Thor to Dark World. And then yeah. they just legally had to give her credit. But I, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall for that meeting that convinced Natalie to come back. Like... What changed between, like... Maybe she just kind of got over it and was... I don't...
1: Dude, I really think that maybe she was like, Hey, I think I might have overreacted. Yeah, maybe. And also, how much money did the movies I wasn't in make? Right. (laughs) So, I, I, I don't think that... I'm not entirely sure that either side went crawling back to the person, but I think maybe it was like, hey, time's passed. Heads have cooled off. Yeah. Look at how much this series is making. Is it really the best interest of my career to kind of freak out over this? And then for them, maybe they probably went, hey, it sucks that you've not been in these movies. We want you in them.
0: Yeah. It could have been as simple as that, too. Like, it it may have been. Like again, it, That's why I think it'd be cool to have been a fly on the wall for those meetings. Um, yeah.
1: But for me. And then Hayden Christian shows up and he's like, "Hey, can you get me in these movies?"
0: Oh my God, no, never. Don't never act again.
1: Um, for. I honestly kind of think he's. He, I think he's going to be in uh the Rise of Skywalker. I. A little bit.
0: I I don't know. Maybe they the it wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Disney to do that. Like have some surprise cameos but um, not
1: not even, like not even for a big part maybe just to kind of like a little small thing to be like hey wounds are healed yeah it's kind of forgiven a little bit
0: yeah um like, I
1: slaughtered like animals.
0: <laughs> the thing to close it out i mean i'll just uh the thing i'm most excited for i mean uh honestly is probably seeing what what's going to happen with uh the falcon and the winter soldier honestly that's out of all that's, all that's of these a tv series though right yeah
1: i mean i'm not i wasn't trying to restrict it to tv or movie like i mean well no 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 i i just mean it, it the, so many things got announced it was it's kind of hard to keep straight which ones are tv series yeah
0: no i mean um out of all of these like not separating movie from tv like just of these titles in general, I'm honestly the most excited to see the team up of Falcon and winter soldier. Like, I think that, yeah. I think that could be a pretty awesome series. Like, especially Supposedly
1: with Anthony Mackie too, has said that he's already worn his version of the captain America costume. Dude,
0: him as captain America makes me so excited. I am so happy that he got the shield at the end of the movie. And like, yeah. I can't wait to see him just be captain America. Like it's, I get why they titled it Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like he's probably not going to take that name because no one else could be Captain America. But basically, like him with the shield and teaming up with Bucky. Like
1: I think Wouldn't that it be could be awesome. If he changed his name to like Bald Eagle,
0: that honestly, that's not a terrible name. I because he's I mean he's bald. I mean it fits. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, that would be cool. Like I I honestly am really the most excited for that. Um, I'm trying to remember who. Um, who the showrunner is? Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, let me see, because if it's got a good, if it's got a good showrunner with it, like there's no reason for it to be to be bad. Um, I know you don't follow things like that, but um, yeah, if you, I, I don't get too heavy into that.
1: <laughs> um, I always love when you tell me like such and such lost the showrunner. Usually, to me, I just take that to mean, oh, that show's in trouble. <laughs> That's about the time when I know who a showrunner is.
0: Yeah. Um, it doesn't actually, um, I'm not seeing anybody actually named, uh, the writer of the pilot episode though is Malcolm Spellman, which usually if you write the pilot episode, you're the showrunner, but
1: at least for the first season.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's still like one of those details are keeping super low key on, um, unless you happen to see something I didn't cause I'm trying to, you're hearing me Google search in real time. So, um but yeah it's uh that's I mean that's it show
1: prep what's that
0: yeah (laughs) that's uh but yeah no that's uh that's the biggest stuff that we took away at least from the cinema side of comic-con um like I said we're not a tv podcast so um we're not get
1: off our backs (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) I'm uh (laughs) no I'm I this was a cool year this was a pretty notable year from uh comic-con at least from what I can recall offhand I mean did did you ever really follow comic-con
1: before this year uh, a little, um, uh, mainly just for actually this, just kind of, I wanted to know some movie stuff. Um, I, uh, the one thing that I do know typically comes from Comic-Con or, or, or D23 usually is, uh, the Kevin Feige, uh, um state of the state of the timeline yeah the timeline unveiling i know that's a big part of it usually yeah the state of the Um, franchise this was only this was only encompassing two years so i'm i'm interested to see what they do because i i thought the last couple had more than just like two years on it um so i'm interested to kind of see since this phase is kind of looking like it's going to be faster than the last couple um i'm interested to see what all uh they do on the next one too yeah i mean because they 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 unveiled was it two movies or three movies
0: they unveiled um how many movies was it i want to say i thought it was four they got one two three four five and then technically six if you count guardians three or four which I, well no no no
1: I I, when i say when i say movies that they unveiled they dropped specific titles and release dates
0: oh on that on this thing it was four movies uh Black Widow, Shang Chi, Doctor Strange, and Thor. Okay. Oh, and the Eternals. Um, sorry, five. The Eternals. That's that's five.
1: Oh, I thought that was a TV series. Um. But yeah, I I am really interested in it. I'm interested to get introduced to the next wave because the one thing that was good about the conclusion of uh, you know, End and Infinity War and the rest of that of the last phase was uh, getting the closure with the characters, but it 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 was a slow conclusion. you know it did take two years, yeah so i'm I'm very excited to get into the next phase.
0: I just yeah, it's it this is this is probably the most um this is like the most unknown territory that Marvel's been in probably since Iron Man honestly and,
1: if and the one of the other kind of really interesting things too um DC wasn't there
0: fine at all they
1: did not have a booth
0: fine with me like <laughs> so i no
1: but what I, but what I, but why i find that interesting is to me that that screams you know we understand they're beating us we get how badly we handled it we're trying to think this through now
0: yeah there's no reason to bring any extra attention to it when you don't really have anything else like you don't have you don't have to go to it like why 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 do it like obviously Marvel's gonna steal the spotlight like I can see why they didn't decide to spend the extra effort to make anything up for Comic-Con
1: yeah
0: Uh, but yeah so with that that's our recap of uh, the cinematic side of Comic-Con 2019 in San Diego Uh, we'll be right back uh, for our film reviews Um, I will first talk about Farewell very briefly and then we'll talk about The Lion King be right back All right, everybody, I'm just going to butt in here real quick before Nick and I talk about The Lion King. Uh, As I mentioned on our Facebook wall, um, it came up after we recorded the last episode that I could take advantage of an opportunity to go see this independent film called The Farewell. Uh, This was a huge hit in uh, the 2019 Sundance Film Festival um, when it got bought by uh, A24. And this is... um, a new film from uh, Lulu Wang. Uh, this is probably the only project that you would be able to associate her to anything with. Uh, but the film itself stars Aquafina, who you will know from oceans eight, uh, two years ago. And she was also the best friend in crazy rich Asians. And, uh, this film also stars, uh, character actor, uh, Zima, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. T Z I M A. Um, But yeah, just Google his name. I guarantee you, you have, you've seen him in something. Um, He's got a very prestigious and long, long resume in television and film. Uh, But yeah, this film is about uh, this Chinese American family uh, who finds out that their matriarch, the grandma, uh, has stage four lung cancer. But it's traditional that a family does not disclose news like that to the dying family member just to not add that extra stress and pressure and fear into their life. Uh, To just let them go about their day just uh, living life like normal and uh, until the time comes where basically the family member is at death's door and then tell them then. And uh, Billy is extremely uh, conflicted by this. She, She doesn't like this idea at all when her parents break it to her and they don't the parents don't even want Billy to go to China to, uh, see the grandmother, uh, because what they're going to do for, uh, Nene or nine, sorry. Uh, what they're going to do for nine is, um, put on this wedding, uh, with one of her cousins, um, the cousin and the cousin just going out with this girl for a couple months. Um, they're going to stage a wedding between the two of them, a fake wedding, uh, For the grandmother, like as an excuse to get everybody together to see the grandmother one more time uh, before she passes on. And uh, Billy's parents don't even want her to go. So to to their surprise, she does buy her own plane ticket and just shows up in China to just be with the family. And that's the setup of this film in a nutshell. The way it goes from there, we go into spoiler territory. And um, Nick's not here Because he didn't want to be tempted to ask me any questions. I am just recording this by myself. Um, And I'm not going to spoil the film uh, for you guys and him. Especially because Nick didn't see it. Um, But really, this movie is is just so so sweet. It is so moving. Um, I can't recall seeing a film that had such a nuanced take on grief. It's I, d- I don't see really many films that, like, deal with grief as, like, a central part of the film, um, like, in this kind of an intimate way, especially with the fact that it's it's kind of turning it on its head, where the person in question who is dying actually hasn't died yet, so they get to play out these stages of grief um, in real time, like, in front of the person, so, like, having to put on that face, while in private, you deal with it in your own way. Like, um, the father has, um, addiction issues, um, alcoholism, uh, and smoking, um, smoking's a big deal with, um, his, his brother, um, Billy's uncle, um, and then the way the, her, Billy's mother deals with it, like, just putting on a strength, strong face, uh, she has an amazing monologue, um, to Billy when Billy breaks down in front of her. And just asking her why they're doing this the way they're doing. Um, I won't spoil any more besides that. Um, but, but I mean, yeah. Uh, Aquafina, specifically, I wanna call out now. Aquafina gives such a star making performance in this. I, I don't try to toss that around like how people, uh, like we're saying, Lady Gaga was having such a star making moment, even though she's already objectively a superstar in her own right. Aquafina, really, like, I was so blown away by how really powerful her performance is and how believable and just uh, how stripped down and raw and emotional this performance was. It really is up there as one of the best performances in any film that I've seen this year. Like, I, right now, if the Oscars were happening, my votes would be for Aquafina for Best Actress and Zach Efron for Extremely Wicked, Shockingly. Evil and vile. Um, those, are, these are really the two best performances of the year so far, at least in my opinion. Uh, it's hard for me to think of uh, Aquafina being just. It was. It's weird for me to think of Aquafina being in a movie like this in, at all, especially after seeing like Crazy Rich Asians and uh, Oceans Eight. But just, man, she just. I felt so awful for her character the whole film just that's how just invested you were able to get because of her. Um, and then, uh, like I said, Zima is phenomenal as her dad in the film. There's a lot of great touching moments with them. Uh, the entire ensemble is phenomenal too. Like I said, the uncle, uh, the aunts, uh, Aquafina's mom. And then really, of course, the, the whole crux of this film, the central point of the conflict of this film, uh, uh, she is played by, uh, this woman named, uh, Zhao am uh, Xu, uh, sorry if I didn't pronounce that name right, um, Dan can't pronounce names ever, uh, uh, Zhao has never been in a film before, which is just mind-boggling to me, the fact that she's never been in a film before, um, and she just is fantastic, she just, yeah, she's playing... Um, just, I mean, she's playing a grandma, like your kind of stereotypical grandma. Um, she's got a little bit of sass to her. She's just living her life. She she doesn't come off as sick as she really is. And um, she has moments with Aquafina that are just the most wrenching parts in this film. Uh, just the fact that, like, we and the characters all know that she's dying, but 9 Nai doesn't. Um, there's, there's a lot of little humorous moments of that. Just like, why is everybody, why, it must be the jet lag. There, there, there's, there's no reason for you to be looking the way you are. You must be just tired from the jet lag. Like, no, Nai Nai, you're dying. Like, but she can't say that. Like, (laughs) um, and my favorite parts with her, um, do kind of involve spoilers. So again, I'll just, um, I've been going on a little bit about this now. Um, there's nothing really much else that I can say other than Lulu Wang directed such a phenomenal film. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite films of the year that I've seen so far. On our, on our scale of ranking films, A Disaster is a raisin cookie. A Pretty Bad film is a single brownie. A 50-50 film is a half pan of brownies. A Pretty Good film is a full pan. And a phenomenal borderline masterpiece, if not outright masterpiece, is a full brownie pan of sprinkles. The farewell is a full burning pan with sprinkles for me. Um, bring some tissues, you're definitely gonna cry. Um I didn't cry as much as I was expecting to, which is not against the film. I just um I was definitely moved and I did cry, I wanna say, it twice. Um, yeah, I yeah. It's it's an emotional roller coaster to to go through this film. But you are gonna laugh along the way. Um but It's it's definitely it's definitely a film that you should try and go seek out. I know it's in limited release right now. Like um, I probably only got to see this because I'm here in New York. But yeah, that's the farewell. That's my quick Dan Solo hot take on the farewell. Uh, Nick's gonna come back on here, and uh, we're gonna talk to you about the Lion King. Be right back. All right, everybody. The one film that Nick and I saw in theaters together this week. The long-anticipated live-action remake of Disney's The Lion King. This was brought to us by director Jon Favreau, who you know from Iron Man. um, As well as being uh, low-key behind-the-scenes on almost every Marvel film uh, since then. Uh, This film was written by uh, Jeff... Uh, Nathanson, based on the characters created in the original film. This film stars Danny. Uh, this film stars Donald Glover, Beyonce, Seth Rogen, Billy Eichner, John Oliver, Chivatel Ejiofor, James Earl Jones, Alfrey Woodard. This cast is enormous. I didn't even read everybody. Uh, there's also Key and Michael Key, Eric Andre. They just shelled out as much money as possible for this cast. It's enormous. Hans Zimmer uh, came back to do the score again, um, since the uh, since the original film. I uh, just everything that went into this film was clearly just how much money do you need? Here we go. Let's let's shell it out for you. So um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, what did we think of the film? I think it's fine it's not it's not great it's not bad um i'm just really on our scale of a brownie is or uh sorry on our scale a raisin cookie is an outright disaster a single brownie is a bad film half uh half pan of brownies is just 50 50 it's not that bad it's not that great a full pan of brownies is a pretty good film. And then a full brownie pan with sprinkles and icing on top. That's a basically masterpiece. I don't really have that much else to say without going into spoiler territory other than... It's fine. <laughs> it's not its not great. It's not bad, but like...
1: It's kind I of just the vo- there.
0: Yeah, I think the voice acting is inconsistent. I think... The quality of entertainment between musical numbers is inconsistent. I think that the fact that the film feels like it's just kind of going through the motions for the most part is really just not that great. Uh, I mean, the biggest positive that I can give for this film is that, honestly, the way that Jon Favreau directed this film um, is just visually breathtaking. The film is gorgeous. Like, there's been this new terminology that's come about called uh, photorealistic CGI, where this is technically a live action film, even though it's not really. Like, I, I haven't read as much into it as I should have to like try to even attempt to articulate what went into filming this movie with this hybrid of actual filmmaking versus just animated film filmmaking but um the end result that we got here is just stunning the film looks amazing uh the detail with all the characters is incredible the the detail with the landscapes um in every single set like whether he's with uh Timon and Pumbaa, where they live, or by Pirate Rock, or in the desert. Oh my God, the the detail is so incredible. But outside of that visual aesthetic, like when you look at like the film itself, I just it's fine. I, 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 it's fine. Like it doesn't tarnish the legacy of what Lion King was, but it
1: doesn't enhance it.
0: No, it does it doesn't. like it just it's kind of just going through the motions. It's just kind of there. The voice acting, really primarily my gripe is with the second half of the film, when danny or uh, when Donald is in it, when uh, Beyonce's in it. um honestly, the only real voice actor that I was really excited that was in the film and thought really added something to their character was uh, Chivattil Eggiapho who played Scar. And Billy Eichner, who played Timon, outside of that, like even hey. James Earl Jones.
1: You're forgetting one very important laugh. <laughs>
0: Seth, Seth was Seth was fine. I just Seth was fine. <laughs> um, but even James Earl Jones kind of seemed like he was phoning it in. Like he he knew he did this before. Like they kind of. I just, I mean, that's, I mean, I'll, I'll yield the floor to you. I mean, that's my thoughts on this film. Like without going into spoilers, like I just, there's nothing that much else for me to say. His,
1: His, his lines, I listened to it and I was like, I can't tell if it sounds like they're using the same cuts as before, or if they're using the practice take of his cuts before, but it just, it, nothing hit like it did the, in the first one.
0: I would presume that they rehired him to actually redo the yeah, lines. I mean, That's I, why I'm I, thinking I that did. just, I, like...
1: I think they did, too. I'm just saying, it. nothing... I wouldn't say was going through the motions, but I was just like, that... You said it better in the first one.
0: Well, yeah, 20 years ago, like, when this was its own thing, yeah. and, like...
1: It's... I It's okay. I, I'm right there with you. It's a half pan. Uh, I think the first thing I said to you when it was over, when I when I texted you, was... That was... Visually real... Uh... Well, let me put it this way. The CGI is phenomenal, but visually I didn't think it was that great. They... Stri- they... By going for the photorealism, they take out a lot of the expressiveness. Not only in the animal's face, but, like, the music numbers. Uh... I... Uh, I just can't wait to be king, for example. Um it's just them kind of walking
0: i will contest that i kind of loved that sequence i really loved that that sequence more than any of the other sequences kind of maintained that aesthetic that like the first one had like yes no there's not animals stacking on top of each other and like but there's that, not that extravagance of it. But what, what I'm getting at fact... is
1: the extravagance was the charm of it, and the extravagance is gone in this. And then the expression of the animals. One of the one of the first things I uh, saw of the movie after the trailer was I think it was I think it was Wednesday was when I texted you about it. Was when I saw the scene that they put online of Timon and Pumbaa, the scene where they run at Simba and Timon's on Pumbaa's back, and they scare off the buzzards. And that was the first time I really saw any of the acting in the movie. And I texted you, and I said, Oh, no, Seth Rogen's acting and manners are much more manic and energetic than the warthog is giving off because they're trying to make it look like an actual warthog. Um, Yeah. It just doesn't work. And I was like, man, I'm really worried that's going to be noticeable throughout the movie. And it wasn't as much as I feared, but it was still really there. It's I... I don't have, like, anything bad. I don't have something where it's like, I'm, it's not like, oh, this is terrible, this is awful. It's it's just there. It's When it was over, I think I said to you, this was one of the most unnecessary things I've seen. Like, the, the most of the movie, after a certain point in the movie, I was just kind of like, why did you make this unless other than this is just a tech demo for your cgi you're not doing anything with it like there's you didn't you didn't bring anything the the couple things that were new the hyenas are a little more menacing uh in this one and they give a better backstory with scar a little bit which kind of makes them um, it, it it tries to make you sympathize with them a little bit they drop it almost immediately but it's mainly the beginning of it but other than like other than that it's just like is you I can just watch the cartoon at home and enjoy it a lot better it's uh um, I... it's it's visually beautiful but the restriction of the acting on the animals due to how insanely realistic they're going for with the animation style, they really need to get actors. Um, I, I don't, I don't blame them for going with every, like recasting everybody, but James Earl Jones. Look, that voice is too iconic to redo, but yeah. all the other actors, you need them to have incredibly expressive voices Because they can't act with their bodies. And your two leads when they're adults are Donald Glover, who I you know, I've not seen him act in a ton of things. Um I've seen him do stand up and I've seen him in a a handful of like a really small handful of movies. And then you got Beyonce and man she cannot inflict to save her life at all. I she's 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 the worst voice actor in the movie. John Oliver, I think it, John Oliver I really liked as a voice actor. And what was the name of the guy that you said did Scar? Would tell edgy of Ejiofor. Whom shares a
0: birthday with me. Happy birthday, he's, I would
1: tell. they he's played much more tragic in this movie and not as like, Jer- I love the Jeremy Irons uh, scar. I Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Or, 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 or wait, yeah. From, in the first film. From sorry. The original, yeah. yeah. He's yeah, sorry. amazing, but I like that they changed up the character for this voice. Um, because he's a lot more, uh, he's less randomly evil, if that makes sense. Uh, he's in this one, he's a lot more just kind of in the beginning. Like when, uh, Simba comes up and he goes, I'm going to be the king of this. Of the, of the Pride Lands one day. My dad told me about it. He just seems... He doesn't seem as angry and calculating. He just seems bitter. And he's like... He, the the line of life's not fair. He really seems like he's like, dude, this isn't fair. Like, you're a kid and you just show up and you get this. Meanwhile, I was born into it and I had it taken away from me because of you. Like, honestly, I, I, I liked... It. His voice matches the way they change the character. Um, but just like I said, the entire time I was just kind of like, I don't really get why this was made. I mean, obviously money, but it just, yeah. it just it felt unnecessary. And like we've said before, this is my first of the Disney live action remakes just because, you know, for this we try to see as much as possible. And before that, a movie had to really like convince me to go see it. Um, and uh, just uh, watching it, I was kind of like, man, I don't know where this ranks in terms of the remakes. But if this is if this is just kind of the average of the remakes, I really don't want to see any others.
0: Well, this is I for me. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. If we're gonna, it, not we're that gonna... I don't
1: want to see any of the others, but I'm like, I'm not gonna go out of my way to see the others.
0: Well, if we're going to rank them before we get in the spoiler section, since I've been the only one to see any other one, um, Cinderella is... Dave
1: saw a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, there's no
0: Dave. <laughs> uh, Cinderella is really good. I think Cinderella is a really great film. Uh, Maleficent, the first one. Uh, we're going to see Maleficent, Mistress of Evil in October, by the way. <laughs> uh, Maleficent... Maleficent 1 is really good. Um, The Jungle Book, I didn't care for that much. Um, Dumbo, we skipped Dumbo because uh, we were taping the show at the time, but something came up, so we watched Triple Frontier instead. I went to St. Louis, I think. Or no, Um,
1: you went somewhere.
0: Yeah, I had to go on a trip that week. Um, And then uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast is also fine just it just kind of goes through the motions and it does beauty and the beast well enough but it doesn't do it to a point where it's just like you're not better than the original film like really what what you can boil these disney films down to is if it isn't broken don't fix it like and out. Outside of this film, like none of the other films really had a reason to exist. Well, this one, th- other than other than what Lion King did with this film, where they're pushing this new, like, VR CG yeah.
1: technology. Well, the the other thing too, I mean, they did add stuff to it, like, uh, yeah,
0: I mean, a little bit, and I mean, honestly, not that much, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it wasn't distracting. They, they, what they, they well, to they it. show
1: the field mouse that Scar gets. Okay, we're going to spoiler territory we already gave yeah our ratings. guys
0: we're going yeah we're Although gonna go it's ahead and a go a 20 into spoiler year old territory.
1: story or i mean it's it's hamlet so it's longer but the story of lion king's been out since the 90s but um yeah spoiler territory half pan maybe go see it i've you know whatever it's kind of there but half
0: pan half pan for me too you're not gonna hate it but yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna wonder why you didn't just watch the anime. It's not insulting to what
1: we grew up with, but at the same time, it's kind of like, and it's just kind of there. But
0: yeah, I, unless you're unless you're a junkie for the tech that went into this and like are, are all into like that the animated stuff. But anyway,
1: but I mean, they add that they add, which the scene that they add with the mouse, I'm literally like the entire time it's happening, I'm just sitting there like. Just have Scar pounce on it. Just have him pounce on it for the jump scare. Just have him do it. And it's not. A, thankfully it's not a jump scare because you can see Scar lurk through the shadows. Which, that was a cool effect. Um, but uh, then the scene that they add that takes a really long time. It For me, it's... I mean, the movie didn't have a ton of momentum going for it at this point. But this scene just killed any momentum that was going on. Where uh, Simba's fur goes through the circle of life, basically, and ends back up with Rafiki. Where
0: oh yeah, where where at one point his fur is literally in
1: a turd. Yeah, dude, it's a. Scene. I, How long dude. is that scene? Would you say <laughs> five minutes?
0: Oh, it's not five minutes. It 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 feels like five minutes. It felt but like that man. scene. That scene does take a while, but I would I am with you. I legitimately like had a moment where I'm just like, oh my god, what is happening? Why are we following this little piece well, of fur as long as we are? There's
1: several moments in this where it could have been a neat animated short that Disney l- released or something. Like they put it before a movie they're going to release, or something. I don't I I don't know, but there's several moments where it's like this could have been a really neat animated short, but you made a movie. Um, but yeah, they added that, that scene where the Beyonce pop song plays. And I've got a funny story about that. We, uh, at my house, uh, a couple nights ago before I saw the movie, uh, we had on ABC and they were talking about the li- Like, obviously it was talking about the journey of the lion like the cartoon lion King. And then it's obviously an advertisement for the new one. Um, and they played the music video for beyonce's song that plays in this movie and it just starts playing and i i was just scrolling through my phone i wasn't paying attention to it and i went what is that and my mom goes oh that's uh that's beyonce's song that's supposed to be inspired by the lion king and i went if this plays in the movie it's not gonna fit at all because it doesn't match the style of music because the style of music is very tribal and it's not it's not a dancey song and also it's more of a chant it's not really sung and then Beyonce who is who I will say is an incredibly talented singer I'm not saying she's not talented but she has you a You can say
0: she, she you can be a talent that's that's her thing though is that she's a talented singer and she owns that wheelhouse Yeah she just should never act in anything ever again.
1: But she is yes. But what I, what I'm getting <laughs> she at with she this, is terrible what in I'm, this. What I'm getting at with this song though is perfect example. Take James Hetfield, right? The one of the fastest picking guitar players in the world, and have him play you know like the chorus to one where it's just a bunch of double picking, really really fast, right? Have him play that. But put it into like uh, a ZZ Top bluesy song. It doesn't fit. It makes no sense. Or like, it just, it, 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 like her song starts playing, and they, and it, it, the song itself, it sounds like a tribal song, and then she's like, <laughs> like, you, it's it, the the music in this movie isn't singing music, and she's a singing song person. That I know that yeah. sounds really stupid, but her style of singing doesn't match the singing that's in this movie at all. They're not even close. And I, as soon as that song started playing in the movie, I was like, "Wow, someone's ego's insane." Do you notice during "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," her audio's louder than Donald's?
0: I honestly thought that was the worst like recreation in the film like I'm going to deviate for a second and just say I didn't hate I clearly didn't hate the Beyonce song as much as you did (laughs) I kind of like I want to listen to the song isolated itself like just out of context just to hear the song but I kind of didn't mind that it only played in the film during that little montage where they're just running in the desert honestly it takes
1: me back to when we were kids and Nickelback wrote that song for Spider Man. Like this doesn't match anything in the movie at all. Oh
0: my but, god. It's But not, I miss
1: when we had songs written for soundtracks specifically. And and it was <laughs> like, dude, I missed this.
0: It wasn't oh my oh wow. It was not I, I listeners, I don't think it was, it was that bad. But but in terms of the recreations in the songs, I'm glad you brought that up because I really didn't like how they did Can You Feel the Love Tonight. I thought that was really I didn't think that was a good sequence. I also really didn't like Hakuna Matata. I was really disappointed in how they played out Hakuna Matata. I didn't
1: like the visuals for it. I didn't mind like I didn't mind it, but I didn't like the like the visuals for it. Again, it's scaled back too much. A lot the visuals... of the charm in the original movie is the grand scale of everything. It's like yeah, like I, I, I don't fault you for sticking to your plan. I fault your plan, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. The the visuals, honestly, like, in that, and in kind of combination to like, the way that honestly, Seth Rogen. I, I sorry to hate on your favorite guy. I kinda don't like Seth Rogan's singing.
1: Blasphemy. Yeah, his singing's bad. His his cotton his mouth singing, really his... comes out in his singing.
0: His singing was really bad. Billy Eichner's singing was really good, but Seth was Seth was really bad. But that on top of the weird visuals that like they picked. You... I mean it's consistent, it's grounded visuals, but like with Akuna Matata especially, just like the lack of grandeur like really hurt that song versus I... I did versus like, the other songs. The one,
1: the one thing I did like was the, because it's a, it's a change. It is a change. Um, when after Hakuna Matata ends, we find out that Timon and Pumbaa are kind of the leaders, but not like, kind of the the de facto alpha males in this group of people, but they're not like the definite. Alpha males, but they're in a group. They have their own pride, basically. I th- I liked that change. That it wasn't just like, oh yeah, here's a random warthog and a random uh, meerkat.
0: It it didn't add that much for me, honestly. Like it just, I don't think it, it just... I don't think
1: it adds. A, again, I'm not saying it adds a ton. I I didn't. I I kind of liked it.
0: It was, I mean, it didn't, it didn't end up meaning anything in the end, but like,
1: it kind of, it kind of added, I just like that. I I didn't say what it was I liked, though, was I like that they have their own society that, like, the lions, the lions (laughs) live by the, you have responsibilities and you are, you have a role to fulfill. And then the Timon and Pumbaa society is the, nah, man, just relax, don't take life so seriously, just have, have a good time in life. It's a, the
0: it's a hippie commune from Easy Rider.
1: <laughs> yeah, if Easy Rider would have been entertaining. <laughs> did you, uh, did um, you like this version of Be Prepared, speaking of the music? No,
0: I did not <laughs> like that at all. That was my least favorite. If I said Hakuna Matanda was, like, my most disappointed, like, no. Be Prepared was terrible in this film.
1: Yeah, I, I really... Like, in terms of Disney Disney villain songs, Be Prepared's right up there for me. Um sadly you don't oh, get to see the hyenas goose stepping like Nazis. Um,
0: dude, <laughs> the fact that the fact that like I mean, no offense to Chai Tell, He is incredible in this film otherwise, but like I don't think his singing voice is that good and like just that, it, the honestly,
1: lo- it made me think maybe They did a version where he sings and went, oh, maybe we do a version where he doesn't sing.
0: It's not even that. It's just, like, the fact that, like, the way it kind of, the kind of mellower, kind of low-key orchestrations with it, like, almost like they kind of half-assed it. Like, maybe we're going to make this a song, maybe we're not going to make this a song. And then the song kind of eases into it, and then, like, oh, wait, we are singing. We are and singing like,
1: the last bar of the last chorus.
0: Yeah, and it's just... The staging of the musical number is not that interesting. Like, if you're going to make a musical number, make a musical number. And, like, it just it's just kind of like an afterthought, just like, oh, uh, I guess... Uh, oh, my God, I guess we... I forgot this is a musical number. Like, it just... Nothing about it, like was visually interesting. Chai doesn't sing that well. And for being such a, an interesting moment in the film where like, uh, in, at least in the animated film that it's like that tease to just like how evil he is. Like it just felt really forced in this, which is sad because it was such a prominent song in the original film. So like, they... Dude, they so dropped the ball with Be Prepared. Yeah, it was so it, bad.
1: It was one of those ones where it was a... I, I think it was a very calculated risk, and it didn't work for them.
0: Well, they didn't go in with it. Like, they clear... It just well, didn't no, what like... I mean is
1: the, the risk of, hey, let's actually do a very subdued version of this that borders on not even being a song. Um, and... Bank on, with with it supposedly being more realistic that it works for it and it it just doesn't. Um, no,
0: they it didn't at his, all. Bieber.
1: His death in the movie. I watched The Lion King recently, and
0: I remember well, who, the who's who's who's, who's scars. death.
1: Scars. Okay. Uh. It feels a lot more brutal in this. His
0: death is intense in general. The fact that like he gets thrown off a of pride rock and then yeah. the hyenas are just like, "Oh, you were just playing us." And then they eat him. Yeah,
1: they That's a pretty brutal death. In this one too, like something that I I noticed was with the these the, the two mo- the two movies are the cartoon one that's light and colorful and this one, the more realistic one, that's Gritty is not the right word, but it is. It is darker uh, because it's supposed to be more realistic. They they suck a lot of the color out, but by sucking well, a lot of the sucking a lot yeah. of the color out, the dark yeah. moments in the movie really seem darker.
0: It's not afraid to really own into what the tone of each scene is like. When something dramatic is happening, Jon Favreau is just like this is dramatic yeah and then was it's light and breezy it's, it's the winter soldier let the of have...
1: Lion Kings.
0: <laughs> it's no this film is not afraid to like take as realistic approach as you could tonally with it like without going PG 13 like this is still a PG film but no you're right like um, honestly I want to tie this I, I want to bring up the I want to bring up the most iconic two iconic scenes in the film the first scene I want to talk about is uh, uh, Mufasa's death. Dude, what did you think of the entire Stampede sequence?
1: I think I was the only one in the theater not crying.
0: Ah, uh, You, you, you cuss word. Um, well, <laughs> I, was, just, I, dude, I was, I was, I was crying. It,
1: I think it was because. This movie had such a less emotional impact on me that when it happened I was like eh. I okay, I didn't connect I... with the characters as much as I did in the first one. So Oh, I I'm not I'm not dude, I cry, I cry in the cartoon one. But this like it's his death is more brutal in this one. But okay, there's not the first time, but the second time when Simba has the flashback after Scar says, I killed the king. When they show Simba in like the slow motion, slow exposure and it does the zoom out and he goes, no, the slow motion, slow exposure thing looked weird. And I started laughing. Oh, my God. No, no, and no, 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 not you. only because the visual given was weird. Not because I thought, like, I was like, that was weird looking. That's what it was. It wasn't, ha someone died. It was, that looked really odd. Um, His death's more brutal in this. I mean, they really show him get beat up more. Um, Yeah. Also, Scar doesn't, from what I remember, the cartoon, and like I said, my sister watched this to the point where the tape broke twice, so I saw it a lot. From what I remember, he's hanging off the cliff, and Scar digs his claws in him, and he goes, Long live the king! in a much more menacing way. And then uh, this Scar says it far more sarcastically. And uh, he sticks his claws in his hand, and when he takes him out, he swats one or both eyes and then punches him off the cliff.
0: Yeah, the animated film, he just lets him go. I honestly like. I have a very it's, different tape.
1: It's a much more brutal death. I don't necessarily think it's better for it. Um th- I connected with the characters better emotionally in the first one. So I care when Mufasa dies. In this one I'm like, yeah, that's how the story's supposed to go.
0: I the first half of the film we're on very different wavelengths. Like the second half of the film we're on the same side, on the same side, but up to, up to this point, honestly, like, I like James Earl Jones. I love the two kids that are Simba and Nala. Um, I like that the hyenas get a little bit extra, like, more added to their story a little bit. Yeah. Maybe it's for, obviously, for padding out the, the runtime a little bit yeah. and adding some unnecessary uh, extra uh, danger to the story. But for this specific scene, honestly, like, I really thought they did a great job recreating it. Like, there are a lot of shot-for-shot shot moments, like when Simba's like hanging on for dear life, and the deer and the antelope are just like, I think, it is hanging on. It just, whap, whap. Well, I like, think
1: the opening scene is shot is shot for shot. I, well,
0: oh, hold on. We'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I I love the danger that Simba's in. Like, I I honestly yeah, got it's, really it's invested. More
1: intense. It's just due to my lack of connection with the characters in this movie compared to the last one, I don't get as emotionally involved, if that makes sense. Oh,
0: I was... I Again, I I was more into this than you were. Like, I... I like the... Ki- I love the kid actors. Like, these, these child actors did such a great job to me. Like, not... I'm with you with Donald and Beyoncé. I thought they honestly... Were terrible. I mean, no offense. I love I Atlanta. Know. I love. I don't know
1: if I Donald's l- terrible. Beyonce's yes. terrible. Donald's yeah, he's... kind of middle of the run.
0: No, I, I love. If he's listening, I love Atlanta and I love Community. You suck in this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, the the young Simba and the lung in the young Nala were great. And like, uh, like you were saying that chai would tell like when he lets go of, of uh mufasa yes he says it in a slightly different way that's not as menacing as the slow push and it's just like but the
1: but the but the lit. scar's not really menacing in this one he's more conniving so he his hit the way dude, he, he is, says it matches his again it's the way he says it matches his personality for this movie
0: Yes, I and, I... and I
1: don't have a problem with that. I, I want to make that clear. I don't have a problem with the way he said it in this movie. It's just, he, it's, it is different.
0: But not in a bad way. Like... Yeah, this no, it's
1: not. It's not in a bad way, no.
0: Scar, like... And yeah, like you pointed out, the fact that he was just like, long live the king, and he just slaps him across the face and lets him go? Dude. Like... Honestly, when he ran, when Simba ran up to, to, when he ran up to Mufasa, like, dude, I, I teared up. I, sorry, not sorry. Like, that just, live action and animated, that, it just sucks to watch. We had, we
1: had a better version of that in March. Wait, what? We had a better version of that in April.
0: Which film? I have no idea what you're talking about. Endgame. Uh, yeah.
1: peter talking to tony come on dude that well that's the scene well that uh, my favorite thing that came from that was a uh was a meme of uh quill and it said it says uh i don't want to go mr stark and it just says oh my gosh nothing can be worse than that nothing will ever top this emotional impact of this scene and then it says peter tony You don't have to go, we won, sir. And then it's Quill, and he goes, Oh no, it's way worse!
0: Yes, well, yes, I was more sad at that, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't still, like, Simba just going, Dad, Dad! I sorry, not sorry. That scene makes me like tear up no matter what. Like that was that was still hard to watch. Like I'm not now even
1: at... I'm just saying for me personally, this movie didn't have it. I, I didn't connect with the characters like I did in the first one. So Do that you rem- that scene is sort of just there. Like I'm like, yep, that's kind of that's what should happen. Do you remember the meme of
0: like Pixar's next five films, and one of them was. Uh, just an hour and a half of Simba going, Dad, wake up, Dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Not even. laughs> um, but no, the other scene, um, since you brought it up, um, the Pride Rock scene, no, I'm not going to lie. Like That whole first two minutes, home run. I thought Jon Favreau did an amazing job with that first two minutes. Nope. Dude, seriously? I'm not
1: saying it to... Again, it's... I watched it and I was like... Neat. Like, again, didn't hook me in with it.
0: Uh, I... See, okay, so we're on way different wavelengths in the first half of the film versus the second half of the film. Like, I thought that... I thought John did a great job with, like, everything up to Mufasa dying. Like, even when Scar was just like this is your fault. You should run. D- that's, that's what you got to do. You have to run and never come back. Like the thing up to there the thing
1: with this movie, nothing in this movie really made me go, Oh wow. Look at that. I just was like, Oh, that's really good animation. Like, I,
0: I, you didn't think they did. You didn't think that John did a great job specifically with circle of life, like recreating, like how that went in the first film to now, like, what what, Look, what let me it's, let it's, me rephrase it. Like what 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 separated you literally right off the bat from just that ha Zavenda? Like right off the bat, like when did you just like nep I'm no?
1: No, it wasn't even a nope. It was just it just didn't hit like the original one did. It just kind of was there. Uh again, I I I don't hate anything in this movie. Um, nothing in this movie is bad. It's either average or just a li- or below average. But that like that scene came on and I was just like, oh, nice job with the animation. Uh, I I don't know. I it's I can't put it. I, I can't tell you what it is. It, it literally is the X factor is out of this movie. I don't know what the X factor is, but the X factor is out of this entire movie for me.
0: Interesting. It's
1: I I like for, I said, I it just it came on and I was like. I mean, great job with the animation. Do you have anything else to bring with it? See, like for me,
0: like I keep saying, like I think John did a pretty amazing job with Yes, obviously the visuals. Like, yes, he they made this all from scratch, quote unquote, but like I thought it was really great like the way they recreated that um I can probably guess how you felt about uh I can't wait to be king. <laughs> I thought that was the best uh recreated musical sequence in the film like it was the okay. fact like, that like,
1: dude everything well, in this movie was just it was okay.
0: I thought that I thought that um I think circle of life is the second best part of the film, which is saying something that is right off the bat. Um, but then I can't wait to be King. Like the fact that it found a way to still like show the entire ensemble of like all of the animals around the watering hole without having like the, um, I said extravagance before, but like I remember the part at the very end at the chorus where like they're stacking on top and on top and on top and on top of each other. And then the whole tower collapses like, how they completely got rid of that, but still made it as visually engaging with just this little Simba and little Nala literally running through the legs of all the exact same animals, and with how good the child actors were at singing. Like, by the way, they are amazing singers. Um, well, also Zazu is still, like, trying to... Keep an eye on them and sing his lines while also not get eaten. I love that running joke, by the way, that I like the Zazu's,
1: al- running joke.
0: Zazu's always on the verge of getting eaten. Yeah. Um, but no, I honestly really loved like if it if the second half, I guess I can surmise it in this. If the second half of the film for me was as much fun as I had with the first half of the film, I'd probably have given this a full pan. But it just. Honestly, when Scar tells him to run away, in the entire rest of the film after that, just feels like it's just going through as, the motions. As an just audience feels member, like you can run away. It just, oh, it's not that bad. Come down. I, it's a joke. <laughs> it this like I feel like you feel like the entirety of the film is like how I felt like with the second half of the film. Like the second half of the film, I'm with you. Like. It's just going through the motions. The acting's not that good. Nothing visually that interesting is happening. Like, the music is...
1: The Beyonce song.
0: <laughs> just going... Okay, I don't hate the Beyonce <laughs> song like you do. Well, I clearly I, I, don't. Here's
1: the thing. I really want to drive that nail in. The <laughs> Beyonce song. <laughs> but no, like... Here's the thing. This movie was the start of my Disney weekend. Um, for Christmas, Kelsey's parents got her tickets to see uh i think it was called the little mermaid a lot li- the live concert to film i think is what it was called and it was down in indy and what it was is they had a copy of the little mermaid that the, that disney did and they st- stripped all of the music out the all the music tracks were were stripped out and the indianapolis uh or symphony orchestra then played the soundtrack to the movie. And that was amazing. If if So to me, I was like, alright, I saw two of the movies I saw a bunch when I was a kid because my sister liked The Little Mermaid. And if you're going to... If I'm going to go see a movie I've already seen in theaters, do something that... Uh, is really cool and unique that little mermaid thing was was phenomenal i'm pretty sure they added music to it because i don't remember as much background music being in the little mermaid as what they played but having the orchestra live in person added a a, dy- a dyna- like a dynamic range to it that i'd never had before it was really really cool it was phenomenal to hear those songs live that is an added thing that's a draw and this lion king movie is trying to do that with digital CGI. And as we're recording this, I have uh, Kong Skull Island on uh, my TV muted on TNT.
0: Ew, why?
1: (laughs) Because the Cardinal (laughs) game ended and I wanted to watch some action. But honestly, I'm at home. The CG is amazing. It's not as good as the Lion King one CGI was, but... Look, man. We're in an era where CGI is phenomenal. Yes, you can have you know
0: you know we start at the top of this episode with the cats trailer, right? Um...
1: <laughs> I'm not saying all CGI is phenomenal. I'm saying cgi is has the capability of being phenomenal, But what I'm getting at is do something that's not going to make me think George Lucas yeah give me something more than we put cg in it like give me something more and maybe get your main female adult lead to be able to act
0: yeah no i if there's something we're a hundred percent gonna agree about besides this being a half pan is is beyonce Beyonce isn't no beyonce (laughs) as an actress is terrible
1: jay-z's putting like, a hit on at us um
0: queen 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 b continue your reign as an artist but stop just acting don't ever yes don't ever act again but um and and again donald i love you you are amazing in community please give us atlanta season three i just don't care for you as simba in this film sorry i'm sorry
1: but what but like i said too if you're gonna if you're gonna re-release it, give me something. I I don't know. I've not seen the Maleficent movies, but from what I can see in the movies, and what from Kelsey has seen to me, they at least changed stuff and tried to do something different.
0: Oh, we oh we we are gonna watch the Maleficent. We're gonna watch Maleficent for the time machine now that you say that. Um, but Maleficent honestly is a really good film.
1: But. I don't, I don't, it, this release doesn't, it's like that joke of when you, when you go to McDonald's, if you have the choice between getting a Coke from the McDonald's fountain or just having a Coke that you bought in a bottle at a gas station, you're going to pick the McDonald's one. McDonald's Coke hits different. I don't know what it is. McDonald's Coke hits different. The animated, the animated uh, Lion King from the 90s just hits different than this movie it i found it more enjoyable i found it uh to hook you in better and uh connect better with the characters this one is like diet coke not the worst thing ever but
0: it's it is diminishing returns like if it isn't broke, don't fix it. So there, with the bar that this film set, I mean...
1: <laughs> if, if it isn't no, broke, it don't doesn't, fix it. And the, and the animated Lion King for years was the highest grossing film of all time.
0: No, and it's... it's There was nothing wrong with it. So, like, yes, the... The fact that, like, this film was... Is going to be the poster child for this new technology... The best I can say is that is going to be this film's legacy.
1: It honestly and on, felt... It... And on the it felt like a tech demo for the technology to do the little mermaid live action remake just to be like, "Ooh, look how live look how realistic we can make it."
0: Well, I mean, on that front, it deserves to be recognized as something pretty monumental, but what other property were they going to use that was going to get this much momentum? Like thinking cynically from a producer standpoint, like if they were going to use this technology on another property, why not have done it for the Lion King? So, on that front, kudos to them. This could have been way, way worse. This is watchable for the. Yeah, it's not
1: like we. As much as we aren't like going, oh, it's a good movie. It's not bad. It's no. Just, you it have is, a better version. You can already see.
0: Yeah. No. Definitely see the animated version of this film. But I mean, over this one. But this is still watchable. This is still mostly entertaining. But. Um, Again, at least for me personally, I know you have problems throughout the film. Like, I still think the first half of this film is great. The second half of this film, meh. I, I honestly don't have that much else to add to this other than just, this is the most 50-50 I've been with a film this year, probably. Like, legitimately, like, half pan. Like, I love the stuff I'd give a brownie to, and I really dislike the stuff I'd give nothing to, you know? Yeah. It's
1: it's not insulting it's not if someone goes you know i i love this movie or i it's it's if someone said they preferred it over the original while i would disagree with them i could get why Uh, i i i wouldn't (laughs) well here's what i mean if someone says you know i really wanted it to be more realistic and that's what they wanted out of it. Maybe like, it's not. It's it's its biggest problem is it's it doesn't get you to feel one way or the other about it. It's honestly as beautiful as the visuals are. It's kind of forget it, forget it. Like you could forget it.
0: Yeah, I it's. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's an us problem. Like having grown up with the other film, like maybe well, we're I mean, too... the
1: other thing too, clearly we don't agree with what everyone thinks about movies. Cause man, we'll be wrong about crawl.
0: <laughs> well, the people that, <laughs> if you look at rotten tomatoes, literally every review starts with this movie's really dumb, but I kind of had fun with it. So
1: we we can... thought it was really dumb. We just didn't really have fun with it. We had a lot of fun making fun of it.
0: I that's the Rotten Tomatoes score meter can be a whole nother discussion. Let's wrap this up. You agree with me, this is a half pan, it's not great, but it's not bad. That's but right. yeah, exactly. It's, it's, so it
1: is one of the most it's a movie like movies I've seen in a while. It's one of the most
0: that was like the noise that you just made.
1: Yeah, like, I, I, <laughs> I don't feel one way or the other. It's really weird.
0: Yeah, same. Uh, But with that, we have to take a trip in the time machine. We got to go to 1986 and we are going to talk about the Oliver Stone best picture winner platoon. Be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We have landed the time machine here in Vietnam, 1986. and Get down! Get down! There's a sniper! Ah! (laughs) Um, And we're here to talk about the Best Picture Academy Award winner, Oliver Stone's Vietnam classic, Platoon. The film stars Charlie Sheen, Tom Beringer, Willem Dafoe, Keith David, Forrest Whitaker, John C. McGinley and johnny depp among this entire enormous cast
1: wait wait you said this won an academy award and it's got charlie sheen in it
0: yes this was the academy winning (laughs) winning winning
1: 2007 wants its joke back
0: it was funded by tiger blood um (laughs) uh yeah this what film won
1: for is this where he got the transfusion because of uh when he when he starts bleeding in the movie they're like we got to give him blood (laughs) Blood."
0: this could have given him his first taste of it yeah um or
1: could have given him the HIV virus.
0: Oh, 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 dude, no. Oh, oh God. <laughs> uh, that's too
1: far? Okay.
0: Oh, okay, yes, HIV is the line. Um, <laughs> uh, this, uh...
1: <laughs> Out of context, that's so weird. <laughs> this film was not... In context, still pretty weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was, um...
0: <laughs> this was nominated for eight Academy Awards, and it won four... It won Best Picture, Best Director, Oliver Stone, uh, Best Sound, Best Editing, and it was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Tom Beringer, and Willem Dafoe, uh, Best Original Screenplay for Oliver Stone, and Best Cinematography from legendary cinematographer Robert Richardson, who uh, went on to win three Academy Awards for Best Cinematography since this film. Uh, Oliver Stone himself, uh, you know from films like natural born killers uh this uh jfk uh natural born or sorry i already said natural born killers uh <laughs> nixon
1: natural born unkiller uh
0: born on fourth of july that's what i was trying to say um yeah this is the like i said oliver stone won three oscars um along with best director for platoon best director for born on the fourth of july um as well as best writing for Midnight Express, which he actually wrote before this. But,
1: um, every time you say Midnight Express, I just think of that family guy joke where Peter's on roller skates, riding around going Starlight Express, Starlight Express, Starlight Express, Starlight Express, Starlight Express, Starlight Express. Express."
0: (laughs) That's about how dark that film gets. Um, you see Midnight Express, but, um, But no, anyway, this is, um, this is the first film of Oliver Stone's Vietnam Trilogy. Uh, the second film, um, I already mentioned, uh, is Born on the Fourth of July, and then the third film is, uh, Heaven and Earth, and I don't blame you if you haven't even heard of that film, because that film, through its own means, wasn't hardly seen by anybody, frankly, but, um, Born on the Fourth of July is amazing. We're gonna probably try to make that a Time Machine film with Tom Cruise, uh, but for the focus of this segment right now, platoon. It's based on experiences that Oliver Stone went through himself while being an infantryman in the Vietnam War. And I, I hadn't seen this film probably since high school. Um, I had seen this film back then, but rewatching it now, at least for me. Uh, dude, this film still holds up. This is still a borderline traumatizing war film. Like, especially in um, the scene in that village that they end up burning down. Um, we can get more into detail into that in a minute. But um, just... Really, the, the performances of Tom Berenger and Willem Dafoe... Good lord, they deserved Academy Awards for their performances. They just... They're so amazing and the fact that the film really like you as a viewer are brought into this film and your point of view is through Charlie Sheen's character is just the kid that wanted to give back to the country and um, like it, you're just so innocent at the start and then you're put into the civil war
1: between who goes who goes into the who goes into the military way too optimistic about the world.
0: Yeah, and then you're just thrown into the civil war between Willem and Tom. Um, I just, I'm spacing on the character names. I should have them up right here. Um,
1: Elias and... Uh, what's, what's Baron? Eli- uh, Elias and Barnes. Barnes, yeah. Yeah,
0: so you're thrown into the civil war between Elias and Barnes and just the chaotic and tragic way that plays out. And then just the way that Charlie ends up... uh, His name's Chris. Uh, The way Chris ends up coming out at the end of all of it,
1: just... Charlie also was what they called enemies when they were engaging with them in Vietnam. So when you said Charlie, I was like, that's weird for you to say. (laughs) No, the way that... The way that Chris
0: comes out of this uh, at the end of it all, just... I... I have nothing but glowing things to say about this film. I love this film. I... I think Oliver Stone is one of my favorite directors of all time. Um, I have riffed on him before just offhandedly about how off camera weird and politically divisive he is, especially as of late, but you cannot deny the power of platoon. You can't deny the power of some of his other films, like natural born killers and JFK and 4th of July. Um, but I mean, again, this film in particular, God platoon is such a great film. Uh, you picked this film, Nick, because you never saw it before. What what on earth did you think of this film, this being your first time seeing it? Uh,
1: I have a new addition to my top five time machines for the year. Um, I love this movie. Uh, I, I'm a real big fan of war movies, um, and I'm also a huge fan of movies that depress me. Um, as movie's one of the best of those types of movies I've ever seen. Um it uh the scene that Dan's talking about with the village was just brutal. Um well, my, well, well let's
0: set that was or sorry, I was finish your thoughts and then let's talk about that scene in particular.
1: Um and another thing too uh that made it really hard to watch uh my Grandpa, on my mom's side of the family, was a Vietnam veteran. Um, he did three tours in his military career. And I, I can't remember if it was he did three tours in Vietnam. His, his, his uh, He passed away when I was six. His headstone um, says Korea and Vietnam. And I, I can't remember if that means he... I can't remember if he had to do a tour in that war to get... Uh, to get that on his headstone, or if he just had to be enlisted at the time, like maybe he was enlisted in Korea during the Korean War, but he he got when his basic ended, he hadn't shipped out when the war ended, Uh, but I I know he did at least two tours in Vietnam, and um, he passed away when I was six, but from what I've heard from family, he absolutely never talked about what he saw there. And something that one of the things I've been told and one of the things I've heard from a lot of people, especially when I talk about him and say, he's like, he didn't talk to anybody about it is, uh, the people that saw some of the harshest things were the, or the, or the real heroes don't talk about it. Um, he didn't talk about it. Uh, so it's one of those things where a lot of the atrocities that happen in this movie, I've, watched it like I get why maybe he didn't talk about it if he saw something that was as traumatic as this. Well, did you um, did you
0: know Oliver Stone was a Vietnam infantry veteran when you watched this?
1: No. I didn't know it until you said it just now.
0: Okay. I mean, so and... the, does that add anything to it or like I mean, I know I'm asking that in real time, but like It adds
1: validity. Um, it doesn't make the movie, like, it doesn't make it more, uh, more, oh my gosh, that's insane. It just makes it more like, okay, now I get where the harshness comes from. Because it's it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, he saw it. Um, but like I said, like I said with my grandpa, it watch watching this movie there were multiple times where like terrible things would happen and i would like i'd see it and i would just immediately think oh man if this is what he saw oh my god um it's it's not a very gory movie you can tell it's made with kind of a lower budget at the time um but that doesn't take away from it. It's just one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, they probably can't really show some of these deaths because they just didn't have the ability to make them look realistic. Well, um,
0: funny story mm-hmm. about the funding of this film. Um, <laughs> once you're again, once you're finished, sorry to interrupt.
1: And then kind of the, the last thing I'll get into. Um, I could not believe the talent behind this movie. For, Forrest Whitaker, Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, uh, uh, Willem, De- Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, who was the African American guy that gets shipped out at the end of the movie? Um,
0: junior? Are you talking about Junior? Um, I'm. Ca- no, I feel like, I feel like I'm getting names mixed junior. up. Um,
1: no, it's the it's the guy that they're sharing foxholes at the end of the movie and then uh oh the guy that uh was from scrubs was in it too um but the guy from scrubs comes up and goes hey your papers came in you're shipping out
0: um oh, dang it i can't remember i'm getting there's oh man yeah i'm getting a bunch of names mixed up but I, I got the oh cast list up here but like um
1: I've got to. See, here's the thing. I have to see him to put his name to. Yeah.
0: It. No. A lot of the. A lot of their names. I. Yeah. That's one thing with this film. Um. I'm getting a lot of them mixed up. But like.
1: Keith David.
0: Oh, Keith David. Wait. He was in. He was in Scrubs.
1: No. 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 The guy from Scrubs tells him your paperwork came in.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: Um. Chris Peterson. Is that who it is?
0: Uh. Possibly. I mean, I might have to take your word for it.
1: Um, no. Was it Mark Moses? Uh, L- Lieutenant Wolf? Was it Mark? No, it's jo- John C. McGinley is the one that tells him, your paperwork came in, you're shipping out. Oh, yes, 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 yes. T- John C.
0: McGinley, John- yes. John
1: C. McGinley tells Keith David.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. John C. McGinley, yes, he was on Scrubs.
1: And... Johnny Depp's in it. Yeah, John C. Like,
0: John C. McGinley's been in a quite a few All Stone films, if you look in his resume.
1: Yeah, it's just... The, the people they got behind this movie is just incredible because it's one of those things where it's like, I, all these people couldn't be a huge talent. Was this before or after major league, by the way? Oh, Oh
0: Jesus. Why didn't you ask me this off? mic? um,
1: <laughs> major league was like, embarrassing. Uh, you?
0: this was right before major league cause major league came out in 89.
1: That explains Tom Berenger and Charlie Sheen's chemistry in that movie. <laughs> right. Um, um, The, the other thing too, and we'll, well, we'll get into it after we give our ratings. My rating for this is a full pain with sprinkles. Um, like I said, this is, this is in my top five, um, time machines of the year, uh, as of now, it's, uh, I think the phrase that I said to you when talking about it was devastatingly beautiful, um the the movie its the movie itself is so beautiful and amazing uh, the locations the locations gorgeous um, the the movie the story and everything is beautiful while simultaneously it is one of the most devastating films I've seen in a long time um, the scene where Charlie Sheen snaps and makes the one legged guy dance well, I wanted to hug him. Um Hug the hug the guy with one leg
0: or hug Charlie?
1: <laughs> both. <laughs> but it's it's one it's just it's it, it, that's the most that's the best description I can give this movie. If someone's like, "Describe this movie to me." I would say it's devastatingly beautiful. Um Yeah. It's it's heart-wrenching. Um it really just, it's going to ruin your night, but you're going to love that you let it ruin your night when you watch it.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I, I love platoon as well. I think this is definitely one of the best war films honestly ever made. Um, there's, there's not really many war films I can compare to how powerful this one is. Um,
1: it's, And the thing that, one thing that's funny, too, is a lot of war films you get, it's either pro-war or anti-war. I didn't really get that this was anti-war. This felt more like this is what war is. Well, this was very,
0: uh, I mean, surely, I mean, well, we could watch more on the 4th of July and see how Oliver Stone feels about Vietnam, (laughs) or I could show you interviews where he talks very negatively about war, but... um. This yeah no I mean the way the way you say that I mean yes is very much true. Um, this film is just the recap of what it was like to be in war, like what it was like for him. Um, I mean, to fabricated fabricated extents here and there, of just well, of just how devastating... Uh, just about just what specifically Vietnam turned you into, like what. Just being in, being in the mess, being there, uh, even for just a year. Like Charlie Sheen's character was only supposed to be there for a year, and even like when they're cleaning out the 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 crap buckets, uh, in home base, <laughs> the guys just like, oh, I remember what I was like when I had 300, 300 days left. Like
1: <laughs> one one thing this movie uh, made me think of throughout a majority of the movie too. Um was lyrics to i don't remember what slayer song it is i think i can't remember um but the lyrics are uh strive for peace with acts of war the beauty of death we all adore that's just what i kept thinking throughout the entire movie was the whole goal the whole goal is for the war to end and to get peace and how do you do it by killing people you otherwise never would meet in a, in a foreign land, uh, ruthlessly.
0: Well, how, but that's a, that's interesting. Like to think about, like, let me, let me talk, let me bring up then the real central conflict of the film is the idea or the ideology of, um, Willem Dafoe and Tom Beringer's characters. like, If nothing else, that is really the central conflict of the film. Like, you're brought into it through Charlie Sheen, but then the platoon is completely divided between Elias and, um... uh, I keep forgetting his name. But, uh... Barnes. Barnes, yes. Between Elias and Barnes. So, I just... the, The way the film presented their points of view... At least to me, was just so beautifully executed. The fact that like you could equally empathize with the fact that like they've both been in it for so long, but well, Elias, the Elias, thing is,
1: Eli- Elias is Mufasa, and speak, to bring it back to the Lion King, Elias is Mufasa, and Barnes is Scar.
0: Elaborate. I was going to say something, but elaborate. A lot,
1: they they're both in the war. So war is inevitable, but Mufasa, uh, when he says a real king looks at what he can give back and he doesn't go looking for when to be brave, Elias, I mean, granted, yeah, he does the one thing where he's like, I'm going to run and I'm going to go kill them, Uh, cover me and cause a distraction, but he's one of those guys where... He views, you know, hey, we're here. We got to get out of here. Let's not put people in danger, but let's do our job to the best of our abilities. Barnes views, you know, I've been wronged Um, throughout the, mo- throughout the movie. Actually, before we get into this, have you given your rating yet?
0: Oh, I'm full sprinkles. I, I, I okay. love Platoon. Yeah, full sprinkles.
1: So full sprinkles uh, for both of us. Um, But... Scar, you know, Scar and Lion King's like, oh, you know, I want to get, I want to get mine. I, w- I want what's coming to me and all that stuff. Uh, Barnes, this war, Vietnam changed warfare uh, because, you know, wars leading up to it before were fought by soldiers. Um, and they had a uniform. Vietnam, the village scene pointed out very well. Now you're just kind of fighting people like Vietnam was I don't know if it still is again I'm not huge on world stuff but at the time Vietnam was a very poor country and so at the time you're not really and it's also you know large largely jungles there's not many metropolitan areas so you're not gonna have you know an organized army you're kind of gonna have more of a militia and so you're fighting a militia with an organized army. The organized army is taught to look for soldiers. Well, you go into a war and now you think everyone you meet is has the possibility of being a soldier who's out to kill you. So Barnes, I don't they don't say how long Barnes has been there. Um, with the fact that he's a leader, he's not doing one year rotations um he's there long haul yeah so he i again it doesn't say how long he's there but he's been there a very long time he's had he's clearly physically scarred from the war and mentally scarred from the war he's clearly had multiple men be killed and injured and in other war movies you'd see that as you'd see it as you know the enemy's killing all my brothers He's seeing it more as, these barbarians are making me fail my job. Yeah. And he doesn't want to fail his job. So, uh, he's more gung-ho, go out there, we have to get the job done by any means necessary. Um, he's not, he's not as, you know, he's, he's more, let's go get ours, um, so that's how he's more like Scar, and funny enough, Scar kills Mufasa in this movie too, um, which is funny because that when that scene happens in the movie, uh, I th- the story this story clearly influenced the Call of Duty World War II game that came out very recently. I know you didn't play it because it's a video game, but <laughs> uh, but. The, uh, in the game, I don't remember the character names, but you have the Barnes leader, and then you have the Elias leader in your squad, or platoon, and the Elias gets shot in something that, uh, after a big argument with Barnes, um, there's a fight, Barnes kind of rushes into it, and Elias gets killed, and it clearly weighs heavily on Barnes's, the Barnes' character in that movie. That's what I thought was going to happen in this movie. After, uh, after Elias says that he's going to do everything he, you know, I'm going to testify and I'm going to file a report. And it looks like Barnes is going to get court-martialed and investigated for, uh, for a murder, rather just a, just a killing of a soldier. He murders a villager. Yeah,
0: just outright, like.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that scene in a minute. But when he sees Elias in the wood i when i saw that i was like all right that's their big argument barnes is going to rush into something and elias is going to get killed as a result and because barnes takes every death of every soldier so difficult that's what's going to weigh on his head super hard and then the, when he sees when he sees elias and it went slow motion and he had it he had his he had his gun up to his shoulder And it went slow motion. I was like, oh, he's going to let it down. And as he lets it down, one last Vietnamese soldier is going to do something and uh, either stab him or shoot him. And then Barnes kills the soldier, but Elias dies. And then it stayed in slow motion. And about the time where Elias realized, oh, he's going to shoot me, was when I was like, oh, he's going to shoot him. Um, I I, I didn't see that. if I probably didn't start recognizing similarities to that video game bef- in this movie before that, maybe I would have picked up on, oh, he's going to shoot him earlier. But because I was expecting it to go like the game, I was like, oh, some Vietnamese guy is going to shoot him.
0: No, I... The second that they locked eyes with each other, I knew that, like, we're alone in Vietnam, in the woods... You have been a side and you have been a pain in my side. You're gonna try to get me court martialed. We're alone. You clearly don't have your gun on your side and my M whatever is in
1: my hands. M sixteen, dude. Jesus. At least you didn't say six iron.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my gun's in my arms. Sorry, bro. Not sorry. You're going down. Like
1: before, dude, before that was we before we get to the village scene, I do want to point something out the scene where he uses the shotgun to blow the pot smoke into Charlie Sheen, wouldn't it have been hilarious if Willem Dafoe just went sleep like he did in this in Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. That would have been a really, fu- that would have made Spider-Man, uh, even worth it. That would have made Spider-Man even funnier if he said it here first, uh, yeah. 20 years earlier. <laughs> Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. and then, uh, and then Sam Raimi's like, we got to pay homage to, to Platoon. That would have been funny. Oh, you mean with the, with the arms up in the air scene? No, 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 no. With the sleep scene.
0: Yeah, no, the, uh, <laughs> um, but no, like back to the point of the conflict that ended up allowing Barnes to shoot Elias, um, this was really, I mean... Tell me if you don't believe that. It. It's
1: one of the most difficult scenes I've ever had to watch. Well, no. Tell
0: me if you disagree, but like this was such a focal point of conflict in the film. Like this is really what really set the stage for the entire funny, rest of the it film. Because when it happens,
1: I was just thinking, dude, what are they going to do for the climax the top this? Well, no.
0: That's the thing. Like this is the point of conflict, and then the whole rest of the film is the aftermath. Like really, yeah. when they go into this village, and Charlie Sheen. Makes that guy dance. Like, this is the first breaking point for Charlie. And then Kevin Dillon, um, which, by the way, <laughs> Kevin Dillon, I don't know if you've watched Entourage. He nope. He was in Entourage, and he still got his own weird face and nose. Not to... Um, he still has that face, just with an ugly goatee. Um, and he's equally unlikable in Entourage. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't murder anybody. Is he
1: the guy that says you pansy oh i can't say what exactly what he said yeah he says why don't you just do him in and then he hits him and hits the guy in the head yeah
0: that's kevin Dillon.
1: yeah that guy's a prick yeah oh dude he's the worst junior's the worst character in the movie like when he died at the end i was happy well i hated junior well so was
0: junior because apparently dying in the field was just as great as living like his whole lieutenant
1: (laughs) diane
0: No, no,
1: I I agree when he when he blames Charlie Sheen for falling asleep, I, I almost went, No, you piece of crap, you fell asleep. Charlie Machine wasn't on watch.
0: No, Kevin Dillon dying was as equally gratifying as seeing Tom Beringer die. Um But not to get too far ahead of ourselves, um uh, but yeah, he uh the focal point of this scene was when they're just doing a I can't remember if it was a routine check or like they got They
1: no They got, they, they, got they, to, they, they got a they tip they got a tip to go there, put- right? they They went out on patrol uh, the night, I want to say the night shift, but another platoon had encountered some issues there at at this village. and so this other this other troop was no, they were doing they were doing a patrol in the woods near their camp to make sure that the Vietnamese weren't sneaking up on them. Well, then that's they, when the ambush happened. They find they find a bunker. they encounter some difficulties there. And a couple men die yeah. because it's booby-trapped. And after that, uh, one guy comes up and goes, Hey, we need you to go to this village. We're pretty sure they're supplying the Viet Cong.
0: Oh, right, um, right, Okay.
1: And so they go there, and then one guy... When they when they were going after him for civilian murder, the thing that I had a hard time understanding... Actually, I take that back. It's abundantly clear now. Uh, but... Uh, Tom Berenger's there, and as they get there... Um, this one guy starts running into the woods. So Tom Berringer just, the guy's not fighting him. He's running away. Tom Berringer just shoots him in the back three times and drops him. Uh, he gives him a quick three round burst, drops him and they go in the village. They start kicking, kicking over the stuff and searching for, uh, males that are hiding in the village because they could be Viet Cong. Charlie Sheen's been there a while. Charlie Sheen's been there long enough for it to start breaking him. um, and he finds one in a hole and he tells him to come out and the guy's not coming out and he starts yelling at him. And when they finally get out of the hole, Charlie Sheen starts yelling, why didn't you listen to me? Why didn't you do what I said? And the one, I like the one guy that's like, dude, he doesn't speak English. And then Charlie Sheen is just so broken at this point. He goes, I don't care. I was like, well, that's why he didn't do what you said. Like, it's like getting mad at a dog for that, for and then going, why didn't you repeat back the words I said? Like, dude, the dog can't talk human. Beth, so
0: Beth, you know we're taping. Why are you meowing right now? Beth, oh my god, Beth.
1: <laughs> you say that it's the one episode Beth's been super quiet. Um, yeah,
0: oh, she's, uh, she's actually not even in the bedroom right now. So that bit, <laughs> so that bit's kind of ruined. Um,
1: <laughs> but um, Charlie Sheen then says, you, you think it's. I think he says, you think it's funny or something like that? If you think it's funny, why don't you dance? He starts shooting his M-16 at his feet. Yeah, he thinks the guy's smiling. He put, I think he puts an entire magazine out. Like, I think he empties a full magazine. Uh, Charles C. McGinley comes in, and frankly, he he's a suck-up to Barnes throughout the entire movie, but this is the biggest proof of that, because he almost starts crying watching this. I'm like, dude, you're in charge. Make him stop. Like that's your job is to make your soldier do what you tell him to do. Well, no, that's and then the one that's the, what... the one guy the one guy yells at Charlie Sheen and says you don't have it, you don't have it in it to kill him and and I was like oh he's just gonna plug him and then he just starts hitting him in the head and I was like uh, oh my god why are you beating him to death? I mean granted it's not be- it's not better than killing or shooting him to death but it's worse. Dude, the fact that like yeah no yeah Charles C McGinley again he's like, if before that he's like, if you don't kill him, we can all walk out and pretend it didn't happen because technically it's a war crime. He's shooting, he's technically shooting at a civilian. That's a war. At ninety-five percent sure that's a war crime. This whole this whole scene is a borderline war the crime. The whole until until it becomes a definite war crime. Dude,
0: the entire sequence, like that was that was the highlight and the point of the scene was just like the fact uh, the influence that. Barnes had on this group, like, even McKinley, like, the fact that he was just like, okay, oh my god, this is really bad, like, the fact that yeah, it broke... This
1: is, this, is getting, this is getting from, oh, it's bad because it's war, to, oh, it's bad because this is not human. Well, yeah, like, even the fact that that character
0: specifically was like, oh my god, guys, we gotta get out of here, please stop, we gotta get out of here. Like, while Charlie Sheen is almost about to shoot the other guy's foot off. Like, and then yeah. Kevin Dylan just murders him in cold blood. Like,
1: but they keep the old lady alive, right?
0: Uh, until Tom Berenger shoots
1: her in the face. Um, oh, I thought that was a different old lady. Oh, wait, was it? I might be getting the old. Yeah. Cause she's married to the guy that he's yelling at and that it wasn't the one legged guy. So, Oh,
0: right, right. No, no, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. You're right.
1: Yeah. So she's alive. She's crying and they go out in the center They've got all the women rounded up, and they've got all the they've got the men separated. He grabs one of the old men that was uh, clearly like the head farmer, and he starts yelling at him. And is Johnny Depp the one that speaks Vietnamese? Yes, that was Johnny Depp. Okay, so Johnny Depp is translating for Tom Barringer, Um, and Tom Behringer is yelling at him. You know, why do you have all these guns? Why do you have all these rocket launchers? Why do you have all these weapons that, you know, it's. I can understand why a farmer out in the middle of the woods would have a shotgun and maybe a hunting rifle. You've got fully automatic AK-47s and RPGs. That's not for farming. Yeah. <laughs> and so Tom Berenger's like, "Why are you doing this? Why do you have? Why do you have like four times the rice that a farming village of this size would need? And why did? Why were your men in hiding and all this stuff? And the guys claiming at first he's claiming that this is just their daily lives. Then he goes to then Tom Behringer hits him back with, no, you, you have munitions for an army, and you have food for an entire platoon. What, Where are the Viet Cong? And the guy changes his story to, we're weak, the Viet Cong came in and pushed us around, we couldn't do anything. And in turn, they took over, and we were forced to do it, or they were going to kill us. Tom Barringer doesn't believe him, and I don't blame him for that. I didn't believe the guy either. Um, then it escalates because while this is happening, the guy's wife is yelling for Tom Berenger to knock it off. She and uh, Tom, uh, Tom shoves him or punches him or something. Yeah. And his wife gets right up next to him and starts yelling and screaming and all that. And Tom Barr like Tom Berenger's had it. Like, like I said earlier, Tom Berenger is viewing these people. He's not viewing them as people. One thing that I from the military documentaries and interviews I've seen with people in the military that they talk about is you're supposed to think of when you have your enemy you're supposed to think of them as subhuman the problem with or the thing with this war it's supposed to make killing them easier the issue with this war is the line between civilian and your enemy is blurred strongly blurred and it's hard to differentiate that, and when you're exposed to it for long times, and because the line is blurred, people that you think are civilians are killing the people in your platoon, and in this twist is making him not do his job very well. Like, he clearly does not care about anyone in his platoon anymore, he's just tired of looking like a failure Yeah. when it happens, but because of that, he's had it. This woman's just screaming, and he's trying to do his job, and he's trying to find the Viet Cong, and she's just an annoyance, and she's and she has no benefit to him. So he just turns around, and he shoots her in the head and drops her. And the guy starts freaking out, understandably, because his wife just got murdered in front of him by a, by a soldier from a foreign land that isn't speaking a language that he understands. And as a result... Uh, I think their granddaughter. I don't think that they look too old for that to be their daughter. I, um, I, she I'm, starts crying. Yeah, I'm
0: not. I'm not completely convinced it was the daughter, but it kind of doesn't clear up that line between granddaughter or daughter. Yeah.
1: So she starts. She starts crying. She starts sobbing because she just watched grandma get sent to heaven, and Tom walks over, or he, Tom puts his m16 around his shoulder grabs his sidearm cocks it grabs the little girl gets down on one knee standing next to her and goes this is your little girl right you love her you this is who you love tell me where the Viet Cong are or she's next and they just start screaming at each other there's a child crying the entire village is freaking out the men don't know what to do And the tension breaks because Elias comes up from behind him because he stayed back to uh, clear up the issue at the uh, bunker. Elias walks up and just goes, Barnes, what are you doing? And Barnes, I think Barnes looks at him and says something about they're lying. They know where the Viet Cong are. And Elias just punches him. And they get in a big fight. And... They decide the best thing to do is burn everything and just destroy the ammunition and the firearms. That way, the Viet Cong are no longer aided by by this existing. Well, that's but, that was the, But that was, we're not going to continue threatening threatening and killing civilians to find the army because well, that's a war crime and inhumane. Well, that
0: was the directive that they were given. Um, that that lieutenant, um, who was played by, um. Mark Moses, which is a famous character actor,
1: who doesn't grow a pair until the very end of the movie.
0: Well, he's. A, I just wanted to point out he's an awesome character actor in himself. Um, he's got a very nice. very long resume, but uh, but no, uh, that lieutenant is the one that gets the directive for them to burn down the village and just cut their losses, just pretend what happened didn't happen. Just we found out that it's a hideout for all these militants. Just get rid of it, and yeah, but. but Again, this is how crucial the scene is to the film, where Willem Dafoe is going to try and get uh, Tom Beringer court-martialed, to which then, later in the film, he gets that opportunity. He finds him one-on-one in the woods. This is perfect. Bang! Just drops him, leaves him for dead. And then that goes into... Well, let's set let's set the stage for this scene. Like after the fact that Tom Berenger leaves Mom Defoe for dead, the rest of the scene is that the there the the soldiers are overrun and they're trying to escape via air helicopter.
1: Well, you're you're skipping over a little bit.
0: Um,
1: because fi- so the the scene en- the scene ends in a very disenfranchising kind of way, where they're going in the helicopter like. They, they they walk back down the mountain and uh, the lieutenant is talking to him and Elias goes I will be filing a report I have as many eyewitnesses as possible to testify of what happened Barnes says the same thing and they have a stare down and like one guy's like Hey stop measuring your penises like we have a job to do Yeah you guys need to unify in front in front of the platoon because you're the le- you're the clear leaders and as they're vacate, like as they're burning the village and everything blows up, it's funny because as I was watching the scene, I was staring at my TV and zoned out, and I was looking at the screen, but I wasn't really like paying attention what was on the screen, and all I could think of was, dude, I just want to go home. And then I was like, oh, I'm in my home. I'm not actually there. Um, but so they have another like another day goes by i think and then they have another mission of yeah they go uh, wait they go back the day after elias is killed wait are you well there's another there's another day where they have a it's the next day they have a mission and they're going after after some vietnamese soldiers they start getting overrun uh or no no no, they're just on a sta- they're they're on a standard patrol. Wait which is what it wait is. which mission? They're which, on a standard patrol through the woods, and this uh, machine gun nest pops up, and it starts shooting everyone. They get to a safe position, and they find out that the Vietnamese. Uh, Elias goes, I've seen this before. The way the Vietnamese are doing doing this, it's a pincer maneuver, and they're gonna basically shoot at us from both sides, and we're not gonna have from the front push us back into a a smaller gap. And they're going to have people there just to mow us down. Right. So you have to do this. We have to do this one thing and we can cut them off in the front and then we can head back and try and pick off the side. Right. This is this. And is, so this is, this is the scene they that they give Elias four men. Yeah. Yeah. To do that. And then Tom Berenger does everything out. He gets everyone else out. He leads that he leads the firefight while Elias takes four people to go sneak around back and kill every kill all the soldiers. Yeah. Uh, but then even then then... Barnes gets ever Barnes gets back to the helicopters and he decides he's going to go back into the woods and he goes through everything finds Elias and has that scene we talked about earlier where he kills a lot he plugs him three times in the chest again three round burst drops him uh as he's leaving, he sees Charlie Sheen's character and he goes, The Vietnamese got Elias. He's dead. There's Vietnamese everywhere. We need to leave now. They get well, in the we, helicopter well, and as they're leaving. Well, don't
0: don't just glance over the fact that like that little moment alone, that interaction where Charlie Sheen is just like just that the importance of that little moment where Tom Berenger is just selling it to Charlie. The the seriousness with that, he's just like Nope, he's dead. I saw him. He's dead. Well, well, what what happened? He's dead. That's what matters. Go, soldier.
1: He's, but what? He's dead. It's war. Yeah. That's what happened. And
0: then Charlie's just like, no, I I don't know Elias like that. He wouldn't just be like, he's dead, soldier. Go. And just Charlie Whoa. knows that something's not right with that, even before they get in the helicopter.
1: Well, he he's he suspects it. Like you can tell, he clearly suspects it, but. They get back to the helicopter as they're flying. Uh, Charlie looks out and he sees Elias running to the famous scene of you know him getting shot eight million times. Well, this is the, um, and then dropping to his knees with his hands at the sky. Well, that's the criti- And they say, "Oh my God, they got Elias!" And everyone looks out and sees that happen. And then they and then Charlie looks back at Barnes and Barnes has no expression on his face. That's the
0: best part of this film, and at least in my opinion, my favorite scene in this film is that. It's the two minutes of this moment where Charlie thinks he's dead and then he looks out and he can somehow tell from that distance. I mean, I'm not going to judge that per se, but...
1: Well, think about it this way. You've got one soldier. You've got an entire army chasing after one guy shooting at him, and the other guy doesn't have a weapon and is running away. It's an American soldier. I, granted, I don't know how he knew it was Elias.
0: That's what I... But that's But
1: he could at least go, oh, dude, they've got one of us pinned down. Well,
0: that's what I'm saying. Like, from that distance, whatever. But, like, for the sake of the film, sure. Like, when he's just like, oh, my God, it's Elias. They got Elias. And then the iconic arms raised. He gets shot down and dies. And for me, that's, it's five, it's like five to 10 seconds where Charlie is looking down at Elias dead. He looks over at Barnes and just for a split second, you kind of have to pause it. Barnes on his face just knows that Charlie Sheen can see right through him. And he just knows that Barnes tried to leave him for dead.
1: Well, Barnes. Barnes is the one when they say they've got bar or they've got Elias. Barnes is the one that whips his head the hardest.
0: Yeah. Oh, right before that. No, you're a hundred percent right. Barnes is just like, wait, what? S- come again?
1: Like. <laughs> and the, uh, so that's your favorite scene. My favorite scene is is the is the build up between after the old woman shot when Barnes. Okay. That this isn't me like with Thanos where I'm saying Thanos is right. I don't agree with Barnes. I'm before we get to that. I'm this. I'm gonna say I don't agree with Barnes. I understand what happened to him to get him to this state. I don't agree with what he's doing. That but that the intensity, the intensity and the raw power of this scene is what makes it my favorite. Is just the time frame from after the old woman's dead to when Elias comes up and screams at Barnes. Just the, like, I was like, ah, ah, don't. Just stop whatever you're, just stop. Just stop everything you're doing. Just stop.
0: I can 100% empathize with that. That, that entire sequence, like, that's why we've kind of made the crux of this review around, like, how important that scene was because that is the turning point of this film and it's, if it wasn't as powerful as it was, we wouldn't be talking about I've, it.
1: I've, se- I've seen it done a million times in a million movies since then where it's just a large group of people in a very intense situation and everyone's screaming back and forth and the one guy that's supposed to be making the decision is screaming the loudest. Yeah. And just nothing's going right. It It's nothing's going right and every action taken is just going to make it go worse. Yeah. Um, and this is the best version of that scene I've ever seen.
0: It's 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 honestly so nerve wracking, like
1: even I, like, like even having seen it. Like, before, if you don't, yeah. it's like if you don't shoot the girl, you just made this camp that you think is helping the Viet Cong, uh, uh, mad at you. If you do shoot the girl, they're even more mad at you. Yeah. Like nothing you're doing is going to like. Nothing you're going to do is going to make the situation any better. You're just going to make it worse with everything you do. Your best option is to just stop entirely right now and walk away. But Tom is in
0: that mindset where just, like, the enemy is the enemy. There's no, there's no middle ground. Like, black and white, yeah. like, if you're not wearing my uniform, I'm going to murder you if it means my guys mm-hmm. live. Like...
1: If you if you don't ha- if you don't salute the American flag, I'm going to shoot you. Is basically where he's at. Yeah. No. A hundred percent. Yeah. That fight scene afterwards too, after Charlie when Charlie Sheen's with those guys talking about uh, how he's he's a hundred percent sure that uh, Barnes killed Elias. That fight scene in that uh, kind of bunker, that was really intense. When he when he gets the knuckle knife.
0: Oh, the con- right the, in front of his the, face,
1: and the one guy's like, "Don't do it. That's ten years." Yeah, the
0: conf- the confrontation, not the actual final fight. That specific confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was well. Tom Berenger gives a pretty amazing monologue right up to that
1: point. I've I've seen Tom Berenger in multiple films. This is his best film I've seen him in. Well, he got an Oscar nomination
0: for it. Rightfully so. He's
1: incredible
0: in this film. Yeah, he. I can't recall anything specifically, but just. Oh my God, he owns this role. Like, if
1: you can't remember anything specifically, not
0: offhand. Um, I mean, I can. I can uh, pull up his resume, but.
1: Um, oh, his resume. I thought you meant like moments from this movie. It's like, I will rattle off like three to five. No, 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 no. Other films specifically
0: that he's been in, like, I can't like outside of this film he's just kind of a character actor to me like yeah it's uh, well
1: it's funny seeing i mean charlie sheen i knew could do a wide range but uh tom berenger seeing him in the major league series after this is honestly really impressive yeah i've never seen
0: the the those films um he what no i've never seen major league um He's Browning in Inception, whoever Browning is. Um,
1: I can't. Uh, in Inception, he's uh okay. So Browning in Inception, you know the you've obviously you've seen. Yes, it. I've seen Inception. Um, yeah. the scene, the guy where they say we need to we need to go in this guy's dream, right? It's like the lawyer who's the dad, like the company lawyer, basically.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: I can't where they have they have Tom Hardy impress him impersonate him that's who Tom Hardy's impersonating.
0: oh like right in the very beginning,
1: yeah, oh okay it's the it's the lawyer family friend that's known the son forever that in the dream they're like, you need to preserve your dad's legacy type deal, gotcha um i <laughs> I just found
0: this awesome photo, um. Of him in this uh, in this miniseries called Rough Riders, where <laughs> it's him, Sam Elliott, and Gary Busey, and it's called Rough Riders, and it's called and it's about um, Undersecretary of the Navy Theodore Roosevelt resigns uh, to form a volunteer militia unit called the Rough Riders to fight in the Spanish American War, and again, it stars. Tom Beringer as Roosevelt, Sam Elliott, and Gary Busey. And I found a picture of Tom Beringer looking like, uh, Theodore Roosevelt that I'm trying to send you right now because it is so, is so funny looking. Please tell me if you can see that. (laughs) It's pretty good. Yeah. That's him as, that's him as Theodore Roosevelt. Um,
1: (laughs) But yeah. then, the the closing thing, they're they're at a new kind of base camp, and they're all taking watch. And the Viet Cong decide to charge overnight, and they're all getting overrun. And uh, it's it's really intense. Um, we see a lot of characters die in this scene. Um, the uh, Junior dies, and I didn't like Junior. Uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier. There's a very early scene where they're supposed to go out in the woods for a night watch to do perimeter security. Junior falls asleep, and uh, a bunch, of, a couple soldiers get killed. Junior blames Charlie Sheen for falling asleep, and Junior just spends the whole movie whining. Um, by the way, what he was complaining about late in the movie, I'm pretty sure, was Trenchfoot. Uh, do you remember the scene in um, Saving Private Ryan where Lieutenant Dan says... Always have a clean pair of socks. Um,
0: not that specifically, when but I do. I do remember him complaining about his foot. Yeah.
1: Well, it's in Saving Private Ryan. It's when they first land, and Lieutenant Dan's giving him the rundown of like what's important to survive in in Nam. He says, "Always have a clean pair." I have a motto I live by: one, always have a clean pair of socks, and two, I don't remember what two was. That's why if your socks get wet and dirty, they can rub your feet raw. And then because they're dirty, they get infected. And that's that's what Junior's complaining about. Um, Junior gets killed in a really brutal way, too. Junior is one of the only non-bullet deaths in the movie. Junior is killed with a bayonet.
0: Yeah, that was. Yeah, he just gets stabbed um, a bunch. Yeah.
1: McGinley or Charles C. McGinley. Uh, he, he, he won, at towards the end of well, the movie, he, he's trying to convince Tom Berenger to let him have a three day vacation. And Tom Berenger says no. And then during the scene where the Viet Vietnamese are overrunning, uh, or everyone's being overrun by the Vietnamese. Yeah. He has to hide underneath the corpse of his, uh, uh, foxhole partner.
0: Yeah. John, um, John, by the way, John C. McKinley. John,
1: <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Uh, but he uh, he survives that, and then uh, the one of the heads of the military. I don't. It wasn't the lieutenant. It was someone higher than that. Um, oh, what's are you orders a talking cl-
0: Are you talking about Oliver Stone that he gets blown up in his own bunker? <laughs> it's
1: the, it's whoever the guy is that orders the airstrike.
0: Um, I don't think Oliver Stone specifically orders the airstrike, but I just. I just wanted to throw out there during this specific scene. you remember the guy that Kamikaze like suicide bombs himself like into this yeah. bunker and it blows up?
1: yeah, no, it's the guy it's okay, so the guy I'm talking about watched that bunker explode from the other side of the camera oh
0: okay i just I just wanted to throw so, I just wanted to throw it out there that Oliver Stone, the writer and director of this film, was in that bunker that got suicide bombed,
1: no, so. The guy I'm talking about watches that happen and then orders a danger strike air close. I just love how he's like, "I know where I'm at. Bomb us. I don't care." Oh, that was. You have to. You have to kill. You have to kill all these soldiers, or they're gonna. They're gonna take out another. Lieutenant.
0: That was that was Lieutenant Wolf,
1: wasn't it? No, that guy was older. Wolf's younger.
0: Oh, I thought it was Wolf for some reason, but um. Yeah. Um,
1: but he orders that a, b- a bunch of people get killed as a result, U.S. and Vietnamese. And at the end of the movie, uh, Charlie Sheen's walking through, walking around, and he finds uh, Tom Berenger. And he, uh, Tom Berenger says uh, something about help me. No, that's all he... I- or something like that. Well, no, and that- then he looks at him and he goes, no, just kill me. And Charlie just... I can't remember if Charlie gives him a three-round burst or not, but he kills Tom Baringer. Well,
0: no, it's, he sees Charlie Sheen, and he's just like, help me. And then Charlie, like, they...
1: Just stands there with a gun pointed at him. Yeah, they
0: lock eyes, and Charlie's just visually, is just, without saying anything, it's just like, nope. And he holds up his gun, and Tom knows that he's screwed. And he's just like, okay, well, kill me tell me like what i mean i don't remember what he said but like do tom it. knows he's done for and then he, he
1: palpatines him he goes do it
0: and then without hesitation like this would be a moment in any other film where the guy'd be like no i'm not like you i don't kill people and he just leaves him for dead charlie sheen is just like okay <laughs> and just
1: kills him um and then they, sh- they show him leave, and that goes to the credits. Uh, by the way, uh, this the score of the movie can be described as devastatingly beautiful, too. It's haunting.
0: Oh, I... Dude, the main song of um, this film, um, Adiago yeah. for Strings. Yeah. Dude, I just... I I'm not even gonna try to like enunciate it myself or try to try to sing it myself, but like well,
1: that. Well, the cre- the funny thing is the credits start, and my my first thought is, oh my god, that was incredible, and my second thought was, huh, they didn't play Fortunate Son. <laughs> you would think so, but like the one Vietnam movie that doesn't play Fortunate Son. This
0: is also the one Vietnam film that doesn't play White Rabbit. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> But no, dude, that,
0: just, that, like, I mean, I mean, I know that's not entirely right, but like, close. how iconic <laughs> that sound is, like, specifically, obviously for this film, but like, the way it's kind of cemented itself is like, for, for Platoon, like, I don't see, or, or I haven't heard this song Really, as much as, like, White Rabbit or, um, like you were saying, the other song. um, It's not as universal when it comes to, like, a period piece of...
1: Fortunate Son. Dude, Fortunate Son, uh, the the funniest way I heard it put, and it drove it into the ground, was just uh, when Quagmire's telling Peter on Family Guy about Vietnam, and he goes, nothing prepared me. Nothing prepared me for the incessant use of Fortunate Son. (laughs) um dude it's in every vietnam movie even if it's even forrest gump even if it's a scene it's played i'm gonna have to hear that off
0: mic because i can't remember if
1: it's the song that goes burning 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 it's by uh ccr
0: oh the um I'm going to butcher the lyrics of it. Um but no, I think I know what you're talking about now. Um uh, yes, this is happening listeners. Um uh, fortunate son. Here we go. The uh I hope this doesn't get picked up by my mic. Oh! Clearance and Crew Water. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah no, I know yeah. that song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. Okay, that song I will agree is used more than White Rabbit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was just like, "Oh wow, we made it through a whole movie without hearing that song." Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, "I just want to go take a shower and just let the water run over me and think about everything in my life." <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, with that, I mean.
1: But but like I said, I love movies that depress me, and this was this was amazing. I'm I'm. Uh, Sad, I didn't discover this earlier in life, um, but God, man, it was good. I was gonna
0: say, like, what were your thoughts on it? But I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I probably will put this in my top five favorite war films of all time. Um, I, I need a minute to think about it in terms of my time machine films, but
1: um, no, this is just. If you need... Oh, yeah, it may not crack your top five or top ten since you love every Time Machine. (laughs) We'll see about that down the line. But,
0: no, this was... um, I knew this was a great film when we... When you told me that you wanted to watch this, like, I had a sigh of relief of just like, oh yes, a film I know I'm going to love. Which, I mean, yes, I I know I love a lot of Time Machine films, but, um...
1: Yeah, but you knew it this time. Yeah,
0: yes, I did. Yes, again, I hadn't seen it since high school, so, like, sure, this would be a semi-fresh reappraisal, but, um, but man, this movie does hold up. I, I'm 100% on board with you. Like, just this is definitely one of the better war films ever made. Um, again, this might not crack my top five just because of my own personal way I rank Time Machine films, but in terms of Oliver Stone films, this is up there in his peak like the mid 80s to early thousands like this was peak Oliver Stone and I I, this deserved best picture for a reason and I mean I don't uh, do you have anything else to say I kind of don't no
1: I I I said everything
0: (laughs) word then let's go back to 2019 and we're gonna let you know what we are checking out next week All right, guys, that is it for this week's episode of Browdy Points. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, music is provided by Isla Marfin of Fugay. Thank you Fugue. so much. Yeah. Um, next week, Nick and I are going to watch the ninth film of acclaimed director, Quentin Tarantino, his latest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
1: That so is- excited.
0: That is the one film that we got uh, next week in theaters. Um, no surprise indie uh, on my end like this week. So don't worry um, for our time machine pick. It's my pick for the week. And I've been putting watching this film off long enough. I know this is one of Nick's favorites. No, um, no,
1: no, 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 no. It's not one of my favorites.
0: Not one of your all time favorites.
1: No, it's just hilariously amazing to watch.
0: Okay, uh, I, for some reason I thought it was one of your old times. <laughs> um, no, but... no,
1: no, no. I just saw it a bunch of times when I was a kid on TNT. And we have mentioned it on the show, in fact, in some very early episode.
0: Yeah, no, this has been on the docket for a while. We've been just we've just been waiting for it to stream because I don't own it. Um, but yeah, we're bringing Nick Cage back. Fighting <laughs> John
1: Cage!
0: We're going to bring back Nick Cage. He's fighting John Malkovich on a plane full of criminals. That's right. We're going to watch 1997's Con Air.
1: This will be There's my f- something on the wing. Something is on the wing.
0: <laughs> this will be my first time watching this film all the way through, and I figured Nick has watched so many movies that I wanted him to see. This is a film I know you want me to see, <laughs> so... We,
1: we've recently changed up the format for some reason on the time machine. It started out as, if I was picking the movie, typically I had seen it, and it had either been so long since Dan had seen it, that it was almost new, or he had never seen it, and vice versa. Now it's the person picking the movie has never seen it, and then the other person uh, that isn't picking hasn't seen it and thinks it's amazing.
0: Yeah, the, it's yeah like that for platoon this week. Uh, next week, like I said, we're gonna watch the action classic Con Air. We'll give it a whirl. <laughs> I I have I feel I have expectations appropriate for a movie about. Basically, Suicide Squad without superpowers. So... Get
1: ready for, just to have your mind blown from the sheer <laughs> stupidity.
0: Isn't this the film where Nicolas Cage says, uh, uh, Satan's butthole? Isn't this that film?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it is. is. It's the movie where they use a Corvette as a battering ram with, out of the back of a plane.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is not a film I typically go out of my way for, so for the show, though... It's,
1: it's, it's the one where that GIF meme of Nicolas Cage just going... Oh, yeah, when with he steps the, in... With the sun hitting his face and his mullet blowing in the wind, it's this movie.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, knew that, I knew that came from this film. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, let's, let's give it a whirl. Let's see and what you happens. Won't believe, and
1: I, you won't believe who's in this. Uh...
0: Maybe I know it's got a pretty big ensemble. Uh, Nick Cage, John Malkovich. Uh, who else Shut is in up, it? Donnie. Huh?
1: Shut up, Donny. <laughs> what's that character? What's that guy's name that played Donny? I can't remember who it is, but he's in it.
0: Uh, I don't remember that line specifically. Um, oh, it's I from d-
1: The Big Lebowski. Oh, who plays Donny in The Big Lebowski?
0: Oh, so, oh, Steve Buscemi.
1: Yeah, Steve oh. Buscemi's in this.
0: Right, Steve Buscemi. Oh my God, the poster. John Cusack is in this. What? What? Why is John Cusack in this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he plays an authority figure. Uh, Ving, Ving Rames is in this, right? Or no.
0: da- yeah, Ving Rames and Dave yeah. Chappelle plays this guy called Pinball. Um... <laughs>
1: Dave Chappelle, I forgot about him.
0: Danny Trejo is Johnny 23. Mm-hmm. Monica Porter is in this. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm a little more excited for this now.
1: Um... <laughs> it's so stupid. It is so much a why do we need story? We got special effects movie. <laughs> this was this yeah this this got two Oscar nods too best sound Gra- and... granted i said why do we need story it is a pretty interesting story but also if you insert any thought into it the story makes no sense
0: yeah why I... are
1: you flying inmates like that
0: yeah this is <laughs> it's a 90s action film let's
1: <laughs> why are you transporting maximum security inmates on a plane just because
0: why not (laughs) why not Um, i'm
1: I'm getting paroled tomorrow i've got this bear
0: (laughs) yeah that's what we got next week um tarantino's new film once upon a time in hollywood and con air um yeah that's uh we don't know what the editorial is yet either but uh but yeah Uh, a couple
1: lists we're coming up with
0: yeah, or yeah. Well, uh, unless something else uh, comes up, uh, news-wise, like how we forgot <laughs> Comic Con was happening. Uh, but yeah, uh, Nick, let the listeners know where they can reach out to us on social media.
1: Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema, uh, Twitter at Brownie underscore Cinema. Both of those. The uh, show logo is the profile picture um on facebook make sure to interact with two of our posts the pin post uh asking about the possible show format change like we discussed at length last week um and then also make sure you check out the dora post uh get it to 20 likes um because i want dan to suffer through that movie um dan doesn't (laughs) want to see it i want to see it just to laugh and make fun of it for so long um
0: my only objection is the fact that we already have three movies dan, that we're dan's, gonna watch dan's
1: got dan no dan doesn't have an only ex, uh, dan has two dan is our week is super full and that movie looks stupid
0: <laughs> well it's the same it's the same argument that i'm gonna give for downton abbey when we debate if we're gonna cut downton abbey or not because that's already a full week and neither of us have watched that show or are planning on push watching that for show us to
1: not do that
0: yeah. Okay, but we're gonna push for Dora. Okay. <laughs> Dora
1: is, Dora is what we need in the world right now.
0: Ugh. Well, we, <laughs> well, we, we um, decided to. Yes, like Nick was saying, we decided to put that in your hands. If you want us to talk about Dora, I'll watch it. I'm on a list. I'll just put it on that. But um, we have that 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 week. Yeah, we are. That could be the fourth film out of, if I remember right. Uh, we're already going to go see... Uh, we're the doing art...
1: three that week, for sure.
0: Yeah, we're seeing the art of how to not get killed by your crockpot, or whatever, with Milo or whatever. What? That's a This Is Us joke, because his character dies from a crockpot fire in that show.
1: Is it the art of racing in the rain?
0: Yeah, that's the real title. Um, that's how excited I am for that film, too. It's um... got an
1: adorable dog. <laughs> a monster.
0: Um, we're also going to, that, that week is also, um, scary stories to tell in the dark. <gasps> um, and then, oh, what was the other, I po- I posted the calendar with it. Um, the other film that we were going to watch with that, um, I can, film. I don't
1: know. I don't look at the calendar ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm the calendar keeper and you're not, um,
1: <laughs> I'm the idea guy.
0: Uh, that week is also, come on. Why is this not loading? Uh.
1: Uh, this awkward silence brought to you by nothing.
0: Nothing. Oh, the kitchen with uh, Melissa McCarthy and uh, Elizabeth Moss. That
1: ooh, that looks good.
0: Uh, I I like
1: mob I, movies. I'm not excited. I, I will. I will put that asterisk on it. I really like mob movies.
0: I'm not excited for August 9th, except for scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> Especially really? if we have to watch Dora. <laughs> um.
1: Um. But But yeah, yeah, that's, we got Facebook and Twitter, uh, YouTube, we upload every episode as a video, no video component. Um, we just put the show logo as the picture. Uh, but if you've got a Chromecast or like a, uh, Roku, Apple TV, whatever you want to play us through your surround system and, uh, hear us talk about, um, some highlights from this week.
0: Yeah. Oh, talk
1: about getting depressed, watching platoon. Really? Um or hear us freak out about San Diego comic-con or hear us not really have a much reaction to lion King. Uh, it's at, it's Brownie points guide to cinema. Uh, go ahead and subscribe there. Leave us some comments, some likes. Uh, and then also we have an email address, uh, brownie points, Guide to cinema at gmail.com. Uh, send us emails. We'll, uh, we want to do some viewer mail. Uh, we want to do some viewer mail suggestions. Um, but also, just make sure you help spread and share the word. Uh, we do that as much as we can, and we know that some of our uh, some people are doing that. Just continue to push it. We know we're small right now. Um, but we hope to grow. Uh, so just help us spread the word.
0: Yeah, in a way make can...
1: make it an awkward conversation if someone's like, "Hey, um, so Tom was talking about how he really wants you to make apples." Uh, our apple pies for the cookout. Be like, hey, have you listened to this podcast, Briny Points Guide to Cinema? Um, or if you got a confessional at church, and they're like, "Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned," and he's like, "What have you done, my child?" And you're like, "I didn't listen to this week's episode of Briny Points Guide to Cinema." Um, just do whatever you got to do. Yeah. Um,
0: do exactly what Nick says. If you're not Catholic, go ahead and convert to Catholicism and spread. I want that, that as a
1: shirt. Do exactly what Nick says. <laughs>
0: Um, other ways that you can help us uh spread the word uh give us um some reviews on itunes or spotify google play um all of our podcast episodes go through those platforms um just leave us reviews and rate us go ahead and subscribe if you're not subscribed to us uh while you're listening to this um that helps us spread awareness as well um
1: freeloader <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like nick said honestly like give us any feedback you want through the Uh, through the email. Um, We'd love to have some listener feedback uh, to maybe read on the read on air. Um, But yeah. You see
1: that episode of The Office where they read the suggestions box? It'll be like that.
0: Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Um, With that, that's all we got for this week's episode. We'll catch you next time. Long
1: live the king. The song itself, it sounds like a tribal song, and then she's like, <laughs> like this, the music in this movie isn't singing music, and she's a singing song person.